Alright. So here we are. Episode 2. Humble, right on time. Humble beginnings. <laughs> it's 3pm Central Standard Time. But in terms of our space in the universe, it's very early. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I, I, I try not to think of anything in terms of time. <laughs> Ever. Time is just an illusion after all. All I just, I want to just focus on uh, not being late. That's like my only, uh, my only concern with time. <laughs> that is really like one of the major sources of anxiety for me. It's like, you don't want to be late. You know, it doesn't matter what happens when you're there. Like, you just don't want to be late. What is that? So it's such a weird thing. People didn't think about that before the invention of the clock. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they just thought mm, everything in it. You, you ever hear somebody that it's like they're like a hippie and they're so lax about everything. And they're like, you know, everything in due time, everything in its time or whatever. Mm hmm. And, uh, I don't know, it's just, I, I don't want to be like that, but I don't want to worry about time. I just want to be like, mm. I'm enjoying it as it goes, and I don't want it to speed up, and I don't want it to slow down, and, but, yeah, like, the last year feels like it was both super long and super fast, so, I don't know, man. I think we like, just need to to experience life as it comes. <laughs> that sounds so gay. <laughs> well, just imagine what it's like when you're, you know, like I don't know, seventy years old. Yeah. And you're thinking, man, I'm I. There's no no doubt about it. Like I'm on the downward slope. Like even if they had thirty more years left. Yeah, and they were going to be a hundred. But that's—I mean—you just got to think, man. Like any day, they could just perish. How do I read? Uh, oh, you, you, uh, he probably can't hear anything we're saying. Yeah. Uh, right click. Ah. Okay. Oh, I muted it. it. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you want, you can just right click and lower the user volume. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't user know how to, to do it any other way. Yeah, you see? Okay, if, if the guys listening are confused. You um, guys did. I added an extra feature. Uh, I put in a, a music bot in our Discord. But the only problem is, it's <laughs> it shoot it like it blasts the this relaxing ambient sound at you at like five million <laughs> decibels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were uh, before you came in, Connor. We were talking about how uh, 
how everyone's late, but we really shouldn't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The Windows have been giving me problems. I had to restart the computer. Oh, man. You know, I don't get what Windows is doing. It's put like three new things on my computer in the past couple of days. The, the Windows Meetup or whatever it's called. I assume it's because of the virus. But I've lost at least five gigabytes in the last month from Windows updates. <laughs> I tell you, good grief! It's operate. Yeah. It's event two hundred one. Hmm. Definitely. Event two hundred one. It, it's causing an internet and an outer net apocalypse. <laughs> oh boy! So what happened to everybody? Like I, I planned like three days in advance like we were going to have a meeting of the minds um i don't know i mean i think everyone's uh when you get out of a routine yeah, you just kind of end up flopping around you know yeah i mean i'm not i'm not bothered i'm just happy there's there's some people here well Hell yeah last week we talked about you know the uh the tiger man we talked about the tiger king I'm on the last episode now. I was on the first when I started listening to your thing. The first one episode. You know, I, I still haven't seen it, and I don't think I ever will. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No. If I do hmm. watch it, I'll probably try to watch it from like an analytical perspective. Yeah. I can't really enjoy, from what I've heard about <clears throat> it, like that kind of sexualizing lions. Tires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, um, there wasn't... I didn't see much sexualization of the lines and tigers. It was more like compensation. Like, look at all my big cats. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, <laughs> Materialism. Exactly. It's like cat... Instead of a car collection, it's a cat collection. Wow. Huh. It's but, a total freak show, man. Like, it's not... Oh, yeah. You're not going to watch it and, and get glean any... Uh, tips on how to live i mean it, it's just like a watching a seven or eight episode train wreck yeah i'm just surprised about how many felons and potential murderers were involved in this whole thing didn't the wife, <laughs> the wife like kill him or something spoiler alert for um so yeah spoiler alert um the woman who runs big cat rescue um who always is smooching to the politicians doesn't have a cloth of fabric under an inch that doesn't have leopard pattern on it. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, suspected of murdering her first husband. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What, what, what? The most suspicious thing, another spoiler, but it's not too big of a, like, a uh, drama spoiler, but the, uh, the will um, of the husband goes missing. Somebody breaks in and steals it from, um, from his office. And the new will... Uh, that the wife happens to find says, in case of my disappearance instead of death. Oh my <laughs> I mean, it's like you couldn't... Yeah. It's like if a, if if an eighth grader wrote a murder mystery, it would be the story of Tiger King and Carol Baskin. <laughs> I mean, it, it, seriously. It, it's like, I, I was watching it in, in pretty much disbelief because I mean it's ridiculous it's a, it's like one of the most ridiculous stories at every turn it's just mm. outdoes itself that is true 
And the sad part about it is they're, they're, the Tiger King, he got like 19% of the population of Oklahoma to, to vote? vote for him to be the governor. I, that was so shocking. Oh One in five. Yeah. He has the charisma for it. Dude. <laughs> My, the first episode I watched this, I'm like, this this shit's going to be crazy. When he goes like, anyone tries to come on my property, I'm going to start the next Waco. You know? <laughs> I'm like, shit. This guy's out of his mind. <laughs> he re- I mean, he, he really is. I mean, he, but he he's very... He, he would be a great warlord. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, I think he was too paranoid, man. He was... Um... I mean, I guess you would want a warlord to be a little bit paranoid, but when it came down to it, he was scared and he ran. Hmm. Like he oh. didn't, uh, he didn't stand and face his uh, his enemy, his demons. That is true. He did run, but he spent a lot of time just talking smack, like years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does feel. I mean, I was, I thought. When he had this internet show and he's making videos where he's just like shooting a, an, a, a mannequin that's yeah. dressed up <laughs> that he's he's made his rival into a doll and then shoots it on camera. I mean, oh, yeah, he was the he, he had some intent. But the thing is, it's just like uh, he's so tainted by his own identity that you can't really embrace anything that he does without losing your conscience. He really traps himself in his own image. That's his problem. He's, you know, captivated by himself to the extent where he can't almost escape it, you know? Feels he (laughs) has to keep up the facade. Yeah. He's like the ultimate libertarian. Exactly. He was drug using, guns, homosexual, (laughs) owning illegal animals. Oh boy! I mean, yeah, yeah, it's the libertarian ideal taken to the extreme. Isn't like, don't you think liberalism, libertarianism at its core, is just trying to protect the self and all of the defense mechanisms associated with it? You know, to an extent, but uh, to be when honest, you look, I, yeah. Go ahead. When you when you look at when you look at Tiger King, like as a man, he surrounds himself with like a facade and like these vicious beasts that at any point, if someone tried to threaten him, would probably like maul that person to death. Yeah, that is true. I mean, the, he almost ate his foot off at one point, <laughs> and the guy yeah. art. <laughs> He already has, like, what? Did they ever explain how he got that limp? I don't think they did. No, but I think it might have been when it when that liger grabbed him by the foot and yanked him across the enclosure. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happened on camera. We, got, we all got to see that. Yeah. Dude, and I way- think that libertarians are basically trying to politically justify their own self-righteousness because they can't justify it any other way yeah you know well no in well you know that's why the free market economy is the most 
you know, the highest achievement of that world. Hmm. Just let us trade. Just let us trade with each other. Like that's going <laughs> to make everything better, you know? And I, I was just talking yesterday. It's like, that's the one aspect of our character that we know is missing in the afterlife. There is no economy in heaven. <laughs> yeah. That you know, there is actually, no trade. I wonder um, That should be a that should be a, like a one-page book. The economics the economics of heaven. <laughs> it would it would There's be, no demand. Yeah. <laughs> it it would be one page and the page would say there is none. <laughs> like <laughs> But uh yeah, like I just in you know, I think in terms of like absolutism, whenever I think of a, an ideology, you know, I, th I think we all do when we think of an opposing ideology, it's like, well, here's the flaw in it. If you do it to the fully full extent, it won't work. You know, like yeah. with, with a libertarianism, like what's the answer for people who are pedophilic? Yeah, your, your ideals are flawed when you take yours to the, when you have your, your heroes, your Joe Joe exotics are lunatics uh, who pretty much lose themselves, you know. Yeah, that is the libertarian hero, like the uh, the ideals we used to talk about. And American society has lost its ideals, or the, the true ideals that helped it, and now it has this libertarian ideal, which is Joe exotic. <laughs> well, what what do you um, what do you mean by ideal? Like the ideal. Um, thing to achieve like the the biggest goal your society sets for you sort of what society you know expects of you and also what would the highest thing you can work towards the highest thing you can work towards in american society is you know either you can be i don't know like a you know carnegie or you can be a joe exotic that is the the end of the road that's achieving something in america Mm -hmm. Although people don't want to admit it. They say that's going a little too far. But um, then again, they say the same things Joe Exotic would, you know? Yeah. They're just... It's like they're abusing the the pursuit of self-determination. You know, it's exactly. like they, the, they are misapplying the principle that our ancestors used when they came to the New World. And they're like, well... Instead of having a little plot of land where I'm self-sufficient and in a community of people who think like me, I'm gonna be so individualistic that there's never been anything like me before. Yeah, I you think know? these people are unwilling to admit that their own ideology is really at, at its heart conflicting with their Christian beliefs and they don't want to see it, you know? I think Kevin just yeah. joined. Yeah. Well, they see it, it. It really just kind of exposes how hollow their belief system is. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the more I, I was, I latched on to like one verse in the New Testament where it's talking about, you know, you can't serve God and Mammon. But then it's just the more I read the whole New Testament and Old Testament. Is just full of talking about how the pursuit of earthly things will get, we'll get you is, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, <laughs> I, 
I don't know, man. The dead end. I, I don't know how people get lost in the pursuit of, you know, I need to get so many dollars or I need to accumulate these markers of wealth. And then, yeah. but they don't know, they don't have any, there's no depth. There's no, you know, there's no thought or reason to what they do. And I use, I use reason loosely right now. The word is starting to bother me a lot. <laughs> what is, uh, what's reason mean to you? Reason, um, to me, if you want to just look at it loosely, it's reason can be just making sound, thought out decisions. But to some What's people, re reason is taking it to an extreme and looking through a very materialistic, scientific lens. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, um, that's one way to look at it. Um, I think like we come from reason by basing it off of what is proven in that in that sense like re reason in itself is pretty confusing if you really try to break it down into its raw elements because you know you we have we have logic you know like we mm. we base it off of uh things that we are able to observe in the world you know anecdotally yeah but with reason, you know, we kind of we turn it into like a mathematical proof. Yeah, that's that's the problem. It's our our concept of reason in the West has become almost solely materialistic. If you wanna, if someone wants to talk reason, even I mean Vince James to all the way up to Ben Shapiro, what the um, first thing they resort to is uh, maybe a graph or a chart or some little snippets of mathematics here and there it's um it's it's the way our society associates reason it's always it's mathematic empirical. it's empirical yeah. exactly that's a big flaw i think we have in like almost every aspect of america even i mean especially education like yeah. there's uh there's some children who aren't exactly able to present their knowledge effectively through empirical testing like do you know these specific terms and these specific definitions maybe not oh, but yeah. i can tell it, you like the gist of it you know <laughs> <laughs> it's shoving it through a funnel there is no metaphysical reasoning you know yeah and then there ends up being no practical application you know, then the, the whole thing that you're learning is not, is not, you're not learning a concept that you can apply to life beyond how to memorize a factoid, yeah. you know, exactly. and maybe, and maybe be able to, to recall it when you hear a keyword associated with it, but still you can't apply it critically. But we're talking about mm. reason. So in the in the, the critique of pure reason <laughs> you know he's basically saying we have a priori and a posteriori you know we have things that we can experience and then things that we're born with i guess right. born with it would be instinct and a lot of times now 
when we see guys, you know, on our side that are putting graphs and stats out there, is those are confirming an instinct, you know, a belief that you have that you're born with, or, you know, you, you didn't learn it anywhere because it's already within you. Yeah. And in that case, you know, the kind of like the empiricism is, is confirming what you already believe. But for a lot of people, especially, I guess, you know, people on the left is that they've been taught that anything you're born with is basically not good. And, you know, in our case, if they, they like are, to pretend it's all immutable, you know, you can get rid of it all. I'm using the right word. Yeah, yeah uh, immutable he, would be like unchangeable. Exactly. Um, they, they they definitely uh, adhere to the the perspective that we're all blank slates. No, oh, yeah, it's. Um, um, oh and, yeah, and and they tend to have like that infatuation with like their science cucks, and and I don't mean that like anyone who uh, researches things are their cuckolds and they they don't have any original thoughts i mean i mean more like they're the type that essentially they jerk off to big bang theory and they like worship charles darwin like they don't even they don't really dig into anything they just like collect all these little facts and they're they throw it at people whenever they have a different idea (laughs) like well i think oh yeah the parrot parrot maneuver yeah yeah I think that's true to an extent. They like to pick and choose, cherry pick. Um, and they like to just have their facts that tell them, you know, Christianity is all a big lie if you're a creationist. Um, because you're, look at Charles Darwin. Yeah, look what he showed us. Um, but, but in that regard, I mean, I'll avoid the whole, you know, evolution creationism debate, but I'll just say... This part about it, um, that they they tend to, they will not look at race statistics, but they will look at um, anything that goes against egalitarianism that's scientific, they don't want to hear. Whether it's, you know, poor black kids creating, um, committing a higher crime rate, or rich black kids creating a hot, at a higher crime rate than poor white kids, and, you know, they commit crimes at a higher rate. Um, like, they, they'll completely ignore that. The thing is, it's, and I'd like to say science is, it's, you cannot remove science from culture. It is impossible. I, I'd really like to emphasize that. So what, when we have egalitarian culture, we have egalitarian science. They, they will not consider, you know, race statistics and studying as scientific. They'll call, they'll, you know, brand it pseudoscience, even though it may have some, you know, reliable results, you know? Yeah. Yeah, without a hint of irony is that they will refute the idea of crea- crea- Christian creationism with evolution and then turn around and say everyone is equal, right? Exactly. And that there's no there's no there's no consequences to the way that we select for breeding, right? So, I think of our, course our we know point, that that's a scam. Yeah. Like the even, point where we can stick stick our sort of dagger into this whole argument is really just like there's no unbiased history there is no unbiased science and most for the most part you could use their own marxist critical theories opinions against them to even prove that you know 
That, I mean, like, there, there's just something about their, their, I don't know if it's a combination of their common experience or what, but they, they need to have an answer. They, they don't, they cannot rest in, like, ambiguity. <clears throat> like, you know, they need, they need everything explained. Like, look at, um... Uh, Breaking Bad, you know, all the fans, they were just so outraged because they didn't know what happened to Jesse Pinkman. Like, they were emailing the the writers, like, we need to know, we need to know. Like, it got so bad that they actually had to create, like, a, a, a little mini Netflix movie where they were like, okay, this is what happens to them. <laughs> I missed that, they did? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, for, I forget the name of it. Because they're emotionally invested in fiction. Because exactly. they don't have, they don't have any kind of uh, framework of stories that they draw on, right? So where the Bible was the, that framework for generations of 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 you know Americans and Europeans, they are void of that, and so that all their value system that people learn from a framework of stories and parables, they're getting from Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. South Park. And... I never really thought of it that way. That's a good point. Hmm. The more I think about that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, especially when I think about it, nostalgia, especially for something like Star Wars. If you look at, you think it's Star Wars, I'd almost say it influences neoconservative thought. You know, Definitely. we're fighting for democracy and human rights, and look at our big beautiful diverse coalition you know well star wars was one of the greatest pieces of american propaganda ever produced um well uh, postmodern propaganda mainly uh it it perfectly describes like the the development and growth of the postmodern mind in a way you know like the the whole struggle between like I'm dealing with these young emotions and trying to live in the world and fighting against this sort of um, ordered system sort of like an idealistic nationalist enemy that I, mm. that I part of me wants to become but <laughs> no I have to ignore these emotions no matter how true they are <laughs> like <laughs> Well, you're just they. What they do is just uh, in a very binary way. They say, "No, that's evil, right?" To ever, to ever have this anger, to ever do anything that's not based on you know their def defined righteous pacifism, mm -hmm. then that, that then it's evil, oh, right? I, I love those jokes with the uh, Senator Palpatine, where he says, "Yeah." You know, some may, uh, what was it? Some may say the path to, uh, to revive in the nation is, you know, evil or something, you know? Those are good. I, 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 like, I like it the, when he says, I am the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's have, have that's any of directly you... quoting Louis the Fourteenth, right? <laughs> I, I think so. Um, yeah, <laughs> I am the state. That was Louis, I think. But, but have any of you read the Star Wars books? I don't know. My dad's talked about him. He's a big the Star Dar Wars the, fan. The Darth Bane 
series are, in my opinion, better than any of the Star Wars movies. Um, Darth Bane. Yeah, the the Darth Bane trilogy, very good. But it, it covers a lot of the sort of that growth out of uh, defense mechanisms and stuff like that. It, hmm. It's it's really interesting, like the 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 saga of the guy. Like it it describes perfectly like what happens when you're raised in trauma. Do um did you ever I just don't get that far into science fiction. I tried to uh do some Warhammer 40k book and I mean I just can't get into it, you know. I don't know if it's the I mean, science fiction's aspect of it. It may what? just be it just may it, it may just be Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What used to piss me off, um, and I'm a huge science fiction fan, but what always made me angry was when they put the science fiction and fantasy genres together. It used to make me very angry. <laughs> you mean like uh, the pop sci-fi kind of thing? Like, um, uh, so there's two sort of... Well, if you want like to look Avatar? at science fiction... Um, yeah, so, so you could say yeah, Avatar sort of... Um, Generally, in that space opera category, hmm. but um, you, know, you usually you have your general science fiction, and the, the recent strand, you know, the strand we all know, you know, maybe it's Ready Player One, or what was that one with the uh, where they have the kid to feed all the aliens? What was that called? ET. Um, no, no, not that one. <laughs> the, uh, the little with the little kid, and he's. Pretty much becomes the commander of this fleet, and they destroy the alien homeworld. Oh, uh, tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. Hmm, but I'm sure our, anyone listening would know. But yeah, the thing is, if you're listening right now, leave it in the comment section below. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those those are that's 80s science fiction. 80s science fiction is a return to the analog style. Um, very um, hard science fiction, grounded in math, militarism. It's all very a very rationed and reasoned science fiction. Uh, the science fiction of Arthur C. Clarke. It's all you know about math and engineering. Um, that was a revival in the '80s, and it sort of coalesced with the Reagan era. So I think there's uh, there's definitely a, you know something there. And a lot what of what category fiction, would Starfi Last Starfighter fall under? The Last Starfighter. Um, I have. It's like the dude plays a video game. It's in. It's a big. It was yeah. a deep '80s. The dude plays a video game, and then he's so good at the video game that the the you know intergalactic people have been watching him through this video game, and since he got the top score, they you know basically I, abduct him and make him a warrior. That sounds like a. That sounds like generally fall into the hard sci-fi category but more sort of you know popular you know popular stuff like Ready Player One but if you look at the science fiction between the 60s 70s you get a very different tone I mean you get uh, hmm? I was gonna say I've, I've read I've read one book uh, one sci-fi book from the 50s it was a sixth column by I think 
Robert Heinlein. Robert Heinlein? Oh, yeah, Heinlein. the, the yeah. libertarian. He was, uh, I think he would generally be called hard sci-fi, but he did come up later under the influence of that new group that came in the late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, the Philip Dicks of the world that was very, very esoteric science fiction. Um, very out there, Frank Herbert, you know, big narratives and religion is a factor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sixth Column, uh, it was it was it was about like, you know, the United States post nuclear war. Um, and like he, there's the, this like one battalion of uh, the United States Army and they're trying to defeat the Pan Asians. Who, who have came to reclaim the land <laughs> reclaim which land like california uh, like all of america all that's left is like a small little area in uh, colorado i'm just imagining like chosen reservoir on steroids <laughs> oh it, it, it it's 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 honestly amazing i don't i don't want to spoil it even if you're not gonna read it sixth column <laughs> Yes, it's uh, great. There's audio books on YouTube. There, it's great. Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's get back on topic, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was the topic? I mean, Tiger King, way back. Or, um, let's or see. Uh, well, we can I, let's just start referring talk about to libertarianism as Tiger King libertarianism. Sixth, sixth column tiger king libertarianism <laughs> oh man but uh but I, I love, one thing i like about sci-fi is you know it gives you the opportunity to kind of explore these alternate government futures in oh a, yeah in like a way with where we may be progressing in terms of technology the like, possibilities you know, you, in science fiction just make it one oh, yeah. of the best genres in my opinion yeah. the be- the best sci-fi authors are able to identify like these political trends and spin them in an almost innocent way you know by separating exactly from reality you know i was just um i was going to i was just you know i was you do did any of you listen to morgoth's review i don't who who is that um he's um he's an englishman once you get used to his accent uh, he's amazing, but he talks about a lot of the stuff we're we're kind of covering right now. He's sort of post-liberal thought, but I was always, you know, a man. He did a review of um, Asmov's Foundation series, yeah, and it was great. But I'm like, why didn't he do a review of Dune? Because uh, you know, when I started questioning politics, um, and I reached the point I am now. I started to see Dune, which I had read, I think, at least four years ago in a much different light. I was like, well, he should do a review of that. And lo and behold, two weeks later, there's a review of Dune. <laughs> wow. Huh. Yeah. Synchronicity. Now, exactly. Did, did, you, did you read the book or did you watch the I read the, the first the book, yeah. And I've Have watched the movie. Yeah. The David Lynch version or the 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 miniseries? I watched. It was an old movie. Um, yeah, I think that's the David Lynch. Yeah, early eighties. Yeah, I'm a big fan of David Lynch's work. He's really... you like the Lost Highway. Yes, Lost Highway. Oh, man. It, it's so deep. 
It sounds like a Hank Williams theme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not really. But, but, oh, well, they, I actually, there's a, uh, I mean, one of the guys is a musician, and he's, you know, has a basically oh. a tragic existence. Well, I guess it is kind of like him. I'm so. wrong. That is, that's a good point. A rambling man. But he he made a lot of movies in like the. Like, he's got that Hitchcock feel, doesn't it? Uh, it's just straight up bizarro world, you know. That like there would be, uh, you know, transient dimensions, people between dimensions, alternate realities. That sounds very like a lot of. Have you seen Blue Velvet though? Like about him it, that one was like too weird for me well what is it on it it's about like this weird college student who goes to visit his father and he sees like a like a in a human ear <laughs> and then like it, it's it's very it's also very sexual like there's a scene where he like sees his dad like making love <laughs> and then just, he shoots his dad like it, it's been a while since i've seen it but i just remember being like almost traumatized by it <laughs> this is sounding a bit like um what is it uh clockwork orange with all the, all the dick and pedophilic uh well uh violet it's like I that without the comedic release, you know. <laughs> Did you ever? Uh, so Twin Peaks is is like the thing that David Lynch is most well known for. Oh yeah, the series, and you know that it's kind of like that bizarre suspense, and I mean that's creating a lot of tension, and it, it mm-hmm. never gets relieved. Like there's a lot of tension, a lot of suspense, and that's like the way it is all the time there's uh, never any me. resolution there's never any did anyone read the giver in high school oh the giver. oh yeah i remember how pissed so many people were you know at the end of that when you know the kid's just there in the snow and he sees the light and it ends right there you know so there's this part in the in the lost <laughs> highway where they're uh, you're in the second reality and there's this yeah. guy who's a mechanic and he has a client who's like this rich gangster and the guy comes to pick up his car and it's like some you know european super luxury car and they pop the hood and there's like these huge uh turbochargers and <laughs> you know i mean it's 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 impressive looking so then he's like let's take it out for a spin they're driving it around and he's like oh this is really smooth real nice and this car is like riding the gangster's bumper and yeah. he's like honking and swerving so finally the gangster guy's like he waves him forward he's like okay come come around and once it once the car gets around him he like floors it and you see all the gauges on the dashboard like go hard right oh. and he rams this car and just rams it until it goes off the road then oh he gets out of the car and pistol whips the guy and is like you know and quoting whatever the california state regu- regulations are for you know safe following distance <laughs> it's just like you can tell like it's like one of those things 
I'm sure if you live in the Hollywood Hills, you know, you pretty much hate traffic. And so, but he's, he's willing to kind of put, embrace those things that are like raw human urge that you can never, you can never do in real life. He's right. like, yeah, man, get, yeah, go around. And then ramming them and pistol whipping them while you tell them the regulations. I mean, it's, I, I that kind of stuff resonates with me, I guess, because I yeah. get a little road rage, but it, it is kind a of lot like of the, his stuff know. is like that. Like it, the dark side of humanity that even every a good regular man might still like really feel angry. Yeah. And, and you know, the context of traffic. His, that reminds me of falling his, down. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's a big falling down energy right there. Yeah. His films just like remind me of those thought trails you develop when you're in those like aggravating situations. Oh but yeah. Without the relief of clarity. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> the the you know, the chasing someone down on the road and then hitting them and just telling them how wrong they are, <laughs> you know, without without any of the like the self realization that oh I'm being a little bit of an ass, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like all of the characters are like, you know, they all have some fallible. It's either it's they're either just wrong or they're evil, or they're really selfish or. I don't know. It's just there's no good guys like in any of any of his stuff that I've seen. You know, um, I back to falling down. I saw something the other day that bothered me in the sense that I, I kind of see the tension coming. Um, you know that scene in falling down where the Asian guy has everything overpriced in the store, right? Yeah. yeah. There was something like that. I just saw a clip two days ago of some British dude and he sounds like the guy from Morgoth's review so I assume Northern England right yeah. and the guy is charging seven pounds for you know the little you know pocket sized hand sanitizers and the guy's <laughs> like you know screw you you know you're ripping us all off you know and he's taking the things out of the little stand he's got in the front and throwing them at the Indian guy you know? <laughs> 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 yeah how much for this coke? <laughs> yeah. oh, so it's, it's like literally the scene out of Falling Down. Like, oh boy. That was such a good I mean, that's movie. happening on the federal level here. The FBI is doing that. Really? Yeah. So, so last week, I think it was late, maybe a week and a half ago, um, they announced in the press conference that Anybody who had a stockpile of these masks expect to get a knock on your door. Oh, my grandparents. The (laughs) next day, the very next day, Apple donated 9 million masks, right? And then last week, they were, the FBI takes a cargo truck into some borough in New York City. Oh, the acidic Jews? Yeah, and offloading, you know, or they're actually onloading boxes and boxes of N95 masks. So that guy who had them, I guess he was trying to sell them on eBay at like an extreme markup. Oh boy. You know what happened with those Jews, right? Uh, They got a deal. They turned in those masks in exchange for getting um, 
priority for a number of ventilators they also donated. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, and they had yeah. their own. Um, so they were removing the ventilators from a uh, from like a low income medical yeah. center, and then yeah, and I saw they had their own uh, little volunteer ambulance force. Yeah, had like Kosher ambulance riding. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to know something funny? So like the the whole falling down movie, right? You know, like it. If if you wanted to sort of like apply the Semitic ideology, it would fit perfectly. You know, like there. This is this world is just evil. They're not going by our rules. I'm gonna destroy them. And then like you know, the the Nazi guy who doesn't realize like who he is is like. You know, I agree with everything you're doing. You're destroying these. You're like you're destroying these neighborhoods full of like shooting black people <laughs> and minorities. They, and they're like, "Oh, you're great. You're I'm your biggest fan." And then it's like, "No, you you stand for the wrong ideology. You're vile and evil." <laughs> but they're really the same person. They're, you mean uh, that accelerationist mindset, right? Well, well, the it's like the, the street when you're when you're putting like let's get back to a good clean country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both have that same like, in a way, fascist goal. <laughs> like, hmm. And you know, you said, like they they want to they want to help their community, their people, instead right. of like the internationalist perspective where it's like treat everyone equal help everyone equally don't focus on your own race creed religion kind of exactly thing. yeah well it's but like you, in every movie that they have these uh you know these evil nazis it's always conflating a, somebody with a swastika with what people believe the kkk was about right so like american history x that's mostly about black and white tension that's not really like a nazi thing hmm. you know yeah. like there's there's like one, one a couple of parts in there where it's like they might say a couple of things that actually are have anything to do with that mindset the rest of it is all just like simple adiq you know left side of the bell curve racism hmm. like that's it and it's yeah it. there's no um you know, and that's that's why, as as much as people are brainwashed about anything that Hollywood talks about, they're brainwashed about that stuff from those I, from those movies. Look I at think this that's guy. Definitely true. Um, for movies, you know, past this, the um, yeah, I think this decade has been different. You know, all the decades previously, they want you to think the skinheads, the Nazis, are pretty much you know KKK trailer park dwelling people, right? Yeah. And this new century is who's the new enemy? It's Ned Flanders. He's the Nazi, the secret Nazi. I think this is what this whole new Jewish TV show about hunting Nazis is. It's Ned Flanders is the enemy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, anyone who has a normal family and is Christian, they're the enemy now. You, you know, okay, so we were talking about Star Wars earlier. And you oh, know, yeah, yeah. how often do you see a car? Or someone who is a Star Wars fan, but they like Darth Vader. Hmm. You, you know, know what I'm saying? A lot of people like Darth Vader. That's true. Right. 
And so I, I have this, this, you know, I've talked about this before with some of my friends that in the, with the Darth Vader rule, you cannot put a piece of media out there. You can't put a story out there without accepting the fact that about half of the people are going to like the bad guy. Hmm. Right? Like only in a Disney movie is somebody like, you know, like such a, such a villain that nobody likes them. If it's any kind of like a grown up human story, there's always going to be somebody who's like, yeah, I like Darth Vader. I like yeah. Derek Vineyard. And then, so when these people make these shows, the, all what they don't realize is that all they're doing is helping people that are like 90 pound Antifa Starbucks workers <laughs> identify themselves to people who are like a regular person, right? It's just making them opposite, making them further away from what regular good American citizens, European citizens are like. And, and they do it because they have the very typical lunar short-sightedness. Like, there's some social tension. Let's extract a profit from that with a, with a TV show. And then and the first thing that happens nowadays, there's clips of that show that the other side are using against it. Would you say that the dark side is very mold buggy in? Huh. I mean, to an extent. I mean, the whole, the whole neo-carmelism thing is uh, you haven't given the rulers enough power to do what they need to do, no? Yeah. Um, I'd say for, for Star Wars, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, because in the movie, it really... They emphasized, you know, even though the Emperor there, he's sort of laid back. He's he's doing his own things behind the scenes, but Darth Vader wields, you know, the you know the scepter. He's sort of his right hand man. He he welds, you know, he has as much authority as he needs from the Emperor. I think more how I'd see Darth Vader is they they, they want to box order and sort of you know power into a box and say you're too narrow-minded you can't expect us maybe i don't know hmm. how familiar you are with like I've, I've i've just recently kind of gotten into curtis yarvin or i mean i've read a little bit by him but but I don't. I don't know that much of him. He. He's. I, I heard about him from uh, Nick Land. I, I like it. I like their perspectives on history. Yeah. yeah. Personally, mainly because you know I work in archaeology, it sort of resonates with me. But yeah, the neo carmelism not receiving enough power to do your job. I, I get that to an extent, but not to the extent I think he pushes it. Yeah, um, he's he's very totalitarian. Yeah. The, the way I look at it is, you know, short-term governments really breeds short-term solutions. So, you know, maybe extend the terms to, you know, maybe 20, 30 years. Maybe that would solve the solution to some things, you know. You get much more stable and long-term planning. But 
that was sort of how I used to think of it, you know, while it was still sort of in the paleoconservative mindset. Hmm. You know, just extend things so you can have long-term planning, you know? Well, you know, inherently, like, the the paleoconservatism is essentially just neo-populism, right? Like, um, I would say paleoconservatism is, it's hearkening back to yeomanism. Not not populism. As a, yeah, populism is just uh, yeomanism. Yeah. Now, now this is sort of a so the yeoman ideal is what American is you know founded on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you know, you see the statues of George Washington. What's he leaning on? It's a plow, and mm. um, that's really our founding myth is. You know, being free, um, being self-sufficient, and living off the land. And this is sort of going back to, you know, ideological figures like Cincinnatus, who received dictatorial powers to serve the Roman Republic. And then afterwards, you know, even, you know, after the conflict ends, unlike most dictators, he's the ideal citizen. He doesn't abuse his powers for the next three months after he solved the problem the first three he retires back to his farm. And this actually, this ideal gets fulfilled throughout Roman society, you know, even into the imperial period. People like Cicero would spend time writing and, you know, talking about with other sort of higher up aristocrats about their gardens and about the views he gets from his villa. In, in Roman society, it was not ideal to be a merchant. It was kind of looked down on. The ideal was you go up into the mountains um, and the Apennines and you build your villa. That is where you're supposed to make your money traditionally, you know? Wow. So essentially, now this is this is pretty funny. Um, Thanos was the ideal gay human. Oh, yeah. Thanos, <laughs> when, when I saw that, I was like, damn. That was, I don't know if they've, I don't know who they consult for those sort of things or what the sort of literature they read. Maybe it's stuff based off that, but they don't know where it comes from, you know. But it was, I, when Thanos sat down on his uh, little farm, I'm like, fuck, this is my guy. <laughs> I think they want, they want that, you know, they want that reaction. They want, yeah. they want you to, to, it, they want to paint a picture of the good guys, but really, the bad guys are the ones who are actually moral. They they work for virtue, and they work towards like fixing and establishing order. <laughs> yeah, egalitarianism it, it, needs more relativism. That's the thing. Like I, I'm not a I'm not one of the people who goes and watches all the Marvel movies. But I, I I I like to read the the plot lines on Wikipedia, yeah, and yeah. kind of do like my own little like mental critique of it, because you know they they are great storytellers, but I I just can't stand just watching like the most most Marvel movies are just essentially um, like fireworks. 
but CGI. <laughs> it's just like, ooh, this is this is really explodey in the fight scene. Oh yeah, they they really punched that guy hard, even Sometimes, though nobody got permanently hurt. For people like us, you know, people who can read between the lines, sometimes it can be very interesting. Um, oh boy. There, there has been quite a few scenes in just Marvel in general. Um, you know, anyone who understands anything about basic philosophy, I think one of the funniest scenes was Batman versus Superman. When, uh, what's, what's Superman's mother name? No mother again, her name? Um, it's the same as Batman's mother or something. <clears throat> but I'm just going to say... Uh, what's up? I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, I'm just going to say Karen for now. But <laughs> but this end scene where Batman is about to kill Superman. Superman's like, Karen! Batman's like, oh my god, Karen! And he just freezes up! <laughs> and, he, and he loses the fight! <laughs> it's like this Freudian trip he had, you know? That is, That's a good point. I... Like, Martha, even funnier. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is weird. It like is. The, the, they both. Well, hmm. So Superman never had his parents, and then Batman had his taken away from him. So... Yeah. So I oh, think no, you're referring I... to Superman's adopted mother. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, of course. You know, that, uh, I don't know. It, it is. It is. I'm trying to think of the dynamic, how it's different, but I'm Between... too small brained. Uh, Batman and Superman. Like, they definitely have different ideologies. Yeah, I think Batman, um, in this movie, he takes on a. I said, well, maybe. I thought it was a different ideology at first, but. It was. He became cynical about the need to restore order. Um, you know. You know the whole thing through the the Dark Knight series. You know the ones we all watched when we grew up. It's kind of. You know he's optimistic about restoring order, but Batman versus Superman, he's pissed off and he thinks Superman is screwing it all up. Superman comes off as the egalitarian. Actually, I just starting to realize now. It seems Batman and Superman was. Mr. Order versus Mr. Egalitarian, you know. And he screws up because of some, you know, Freudian feelings about his mother. Batman's definitely like the order guy. And yeah. um, you hear more of like the the legalism from Superman, right? Yeah, I think that's why Superman, they are doing it. I just uh, recently, I think it was on Amazon I saw... They're going to do, or they have started a series on the Superman alternate universe where he lands in the Soviet Union. <laughs> Which I think, yeah, he fits the role very well. <laughs> like, why why can't we just have some, like, adult philosophy movie? Like, they, they just disguise it in these, like, childish suits. Well, know? I don't think it's, um... I'm not saying like there's anything wrong with them in itself, yeah. but like you know, there there has to be an alternative also. Like you the, know what I mean? The way I see it is, um, try, I mean, we could say just narratives like 
pop culture pro narratives have always existed and we are more nostalgic for the traditional ones and they like these new age you know netflix ones you know the ones that come out of amazon the little mini tv series that teaches them their morals but in the past that was you know drinking songs and you know stories of william wallace and stuff like that you know robert the bruce you know you t tell your kids at night you know yeah like, what do y'all think about robin hood robin hood yeah maybe not in a specific movie but like yeah. the idea that there's sort of this you know good-hearted outlaw that is gonna put himself on the line to help the regular people right yeah he's the communist revolutionist <laughs> he's like yeah i, I mean that's well, definitely in the Disney movie, in, uh, yeah, in the latest one. In the Disney movie, you guys remember he's just like throwing pots of gold, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what he what he should have done was would would have been like destroy all the gold, like that. Right. that, that is Joker, <laughs> I'm sending <laughs> a message. <laughs> that's truly how you free the people. <laughs> like, well, it's, it, sure it's they... like if you see it, if you see him, he's like uh, he's transcended material wealth, right? So he's willing to yeah. live in the woods with no you know dirty clothes and eat whatever he can find scrounge up but he understands that other people regular people they still need money so he just you know is like well i don't want these people to suffer because they're they found themselves on the wrong side of the coin and so he just goes and uses his wiliness to redistribute wealth as he sees fit yeah. Right. Like he's taken that. He's taken that to be his own, his own thing. Like there's not really, there's no rule to it, besides like what he sees is is right, <laughs> and and that ends up being you know what he sees the people need. It's like it's almost like William Wallace. Yeah. He's 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 um he is the ideal populist. He gets what the people need, and they need it now, you know? And he's going to put his life on the line. Every, I mean, probably the best Robin Hood movie I saw is like this. It's from the 30s with Errol Flynn. Anyway, it's just a, it's just a great movie. But he, he has a lot more interaction with, like, uh, the hmm. bad guys, with Prince John. And, like, he goes to the castle and, like you know addresses them and he you know he kind of like preaches at them which i mean in the other movies he doesn't he's just kind of like an action hero but oh, in yeah. the uh in that errol flynn movie he like goes in there and he tells the people you know like what's on his mind and what he thinks that, that then, really like I, I like that archetype the that sort of the pippy long longston character you know like the pippy Bunny. Yeah, like that. Oh, uh, yeah. The archetype, you know, the the archetype of the essential trickster, you know. Yeah. The Loki. Hmm. You know, like that's very internet culture esque. You know. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. I think for Loki. So when you look at L Loki by himself, is like is not entertaining. Kind of like how Thor by himself is not entertaining, right? But yeah. it's the combination yeah. of kind of like uh, Thor's almost kind of naive and good-hearted, and then 
Loki has a lot more situational awareness, but mm-hmm. that is he can't have that without seemingly wanting to abuse it. Yeah, right? they, and uh, he's always yeah. deceiving people. And or competition. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's gonna well, mess up the system and somehow, like the plan, like well, poke all holes these. In. You know, we're we're talking about the the comic book movies and how it becomes a lot of like you know CGI. But there's some storytellers that write those that take themselves very seriously, and they think that they're laying in all of these really profound, you know, <laughs> characteristics of humanity and the duality and all the stuff. And that's why they create those likable foes that are like okay so that they create a likable foe like darth vader or thanos and he says things and people are like "Mm, yeah yeah that makes sense but then they're but then they they have to ultimately make him evil because he's making some someone suffer some whether or not they deserve the most likable things about someone like Darth Vader was it his pauses when you know there's a moral decision to be made, something like that. You can see him, his gears turning. No, well, I think if you like in the the episodes four, five, and six, there's maybe not that much to like. I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of like all business, but in exactly. the first in the first few episodes where it's like. No, he's having that that very natural reaction. Like somebody, so they, they about, killed uh, his mom. You know, they killed his mom, and he went after him. Man, that's what I would do. You know, I, I would felt, like to defend my mom. I always felt like uh, Nicolas Cage would have been a better person <laughs> to cast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I'm gonna, I'm gonna get revenge on them for killing my parents. Just, just the retarded level of emotion. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Dude, have you have you like what if you watch episodes one through one, two, and three, it's some of the worst acting of all time. <laughs> Between Hayden Christensen and uh what's her name? Natalie Portman. I yeah. mean, it is just terrible. To be terrible honest. Terrible screenplay, terrible acting. It's you never just... noticed that as a kid though, that's the thing. <laughs> no. This guy, I, I remember one time. We were watching Star Wars Episode Two, I think it was, and he he goes, "Have you ever noticed just all the random hot women that are just walking around <laughs> in, in the background?" And I was like, "No." And I, I looked, and I was like, "Sure enough, man." And you know these like all these Hollywood doubles that are like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll put on some kind of weird space bikini and blue makeup," <laughs> and you know they're just everywhere, right? And then I started, to, that was like a, the first hint to me that this is not, you know, this is like, like I said earlier, it's like a little bit of eighth grade storytelling and a, and a high budget, right? Because George yeah. Lucas has to be like one of the most serious LARPers, LARPers. of all time. Yeah, like he's like, I, I've, like where... He's taking himself so seriously, but he has no self-awareness. He has no awareness of how unrealistic the humanity he tries to display is. Yeah, he's that is true. That is right. He, he, you can tell like he's a dissociative person. Yeah. Did you guys hear he um, 
he proposed the uh, the last Indiana Jones, the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think 20 <laughs> years before it actually came out. And how it was proposed was like he, Indiana Jones was leading around some E.T. like lovable little alien. <laughs> Nobody wanted to produce it. Oh my it. god. <laughs> that would have been great, uh, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, he does kind of get that with Shia LaBeouf. Mm. <laughs> he, I mean, Shia is an alien in his environment. Like he, he, he honestly is. He, he was probably like, uh, you know what? We can't bring back the ET puppet, but we have Shia. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, oh man, boy. Shia LaBeouf was so funny to watch on screen. He is just such a spurg. Well, it's like he was. If you. If you remember even Stevens, like you could kind of tell, like, oh, this is a, this is a pretty cool, unique guy, and then like everybody who watched even Stevens, like his friends in real life, were like, oh yeah, you were playing a pretty gay character, and so he just tried, <laughs> he just tried to separate himself from his like self so much that he just became like someone who was pretending to be a human, <laughs> like he Dave. <laughs> yeah, he caved. he definitely caved. Like he fully submitted. Uh, and I don't know what's worse that he did. Well, no, I do know that he will not divide us campaign. Oh man! I mean, that is oh, boy. that is one of the funniest. I mean, hey, that, the funniest they things to watch. Three days where that flag was now, or two days. It was well, very yeah. quick. Yeah. But you know, he's this kind of guy who he doesn't. He's been an actor. Right, so he doesn't yeah. know that there's people with extensive bodies of knowledge on stuff that he would never even think. He'd think, you know, you'd have to have the resources of NASA or you know, mind reading capabilities or some or magic, as far as he's concerned, <laughs> to find where that's going to be. And it's yeah, just he's... regular, you know, assholes on the internet are ruining his humanitarian program. That's the thing. I think any any Hollywood child childhood star, you know, I think they're very very isolated in that regard. You know, I would totally watch a movie or a, a series where Sam Hyde just stalks Shia LaBeouf and harasses <laughs> him. Did you know what <laughs> happened to him? Do you guys remember when he did that "I'm Sorry" campaign, and a perverted couple apparently, well, the husband guarded the door. And the oh, yeah. wife beat up Shia. Mm-hmm. He's tra he was traumatized after that. <laughs> Wait, did, describe that to me. He got like, molested pretty much. I think they were using a whip, right? Shia? Okay, oh. so do, do you remember when he did that thing? He had like a European museum exhibit where he would put on a blindfold and be in this room where was it was it the like... paper bag, right? Yeah, right. something where he couldn't see what was going on and things yeah. are happening around him. And it was some, you know, kind of living art exhibition or something. And of course, like, yeah, like you said, something bad happened to him. <laughs> and, you know, so he's kind of thinking, oh, man, you know, like art has this kind of universal appeal to exactly. what he thinks is goodness. And sure enough, somebody's like, hey, you know, let's take this opportunity to... To rape abuse Shia. this guy. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot like the a Marina Branovich art piece thing. It was a lot let, like it. She just let people like caress her body or something. What? 
Yeah, people were like fingering her and stuff. It was weird. Maria, who? Uh, the satanic, like the spirit took in Hillary yeah. Clinton. Yeah. Oh, friend. that woman. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that, that she is messed up. Like, and that's coming from me. <laughs> well, anybody, I mean, think about how disgusting of a, of a soul you must have if you want to tap into the supernatural in order to amplify your sexuality, like you, the most material thing about you. That's you because know? that's the, uh, that's part of their ideal, ultimate head hedonism you know you got to take it to its max and they'll do whatever it takes you know she yeah. was she was raised uh serbian orthodox it's it's the american ideal or the new american ideal that's corrupted i think most people you know yeah it's was well, equating uh capitalism with you know if the whole dominant culture of the world is out of the back of a American magazine, you know, oh like, the, and that's the that's the global aspiration, is to look like the woman or the man in the back of the American magazine. Then, mm. you know, like everything that goes along with that, everything that's necessary to make that a reality, is what's happening. But, you know, I think it's not. It's there's more and more people. I know more people nowadays, like friends of mine, who are like. They want a woman who can do things instead of what it was like 10 years ago, which is like, you know, they want someone who looks like a model, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it, I, for a long time, it was like, oh man, yeah, she's hot, whatever. And I got to make money so I can be competitive and get a hot woman. And then now it's like, you know, I mean, I don't think it's just part of getting older either. I, I see that with like younger people. And they're like, they want a meaningful existence now because the oh yeah, and, and they like get it, like it does it too. That's the problem. the The problem is the people that are supposed to esteem and you know associate with the values of having purpose in life are like, oh, get a job, be capitalistic, you know. The people who profess to be Christian are turning these people away, and then they go to New Age Buddhism instead. You know? Yeah. A lot. I mean, a lot of them, they kind of like, they worship this sort of performance state. You know that mm -hmm. we normally wouldn't understand, because like the whole ideology of uh, Abramovich is you can push yourself beyond the normal limits of man. If you put yourself in the in the uh, performance mindset, <clears throat> like it's that dissociative thing that actors get lost in, and that's why they're like crazy. So to to make materialism the best it can be, pretty much that, and you literally become <clears throat> materialism in itself. You become materialism. Yes. You become you become Satan. Es essentially, oh, you much. like you turn yourself into desire. You know what this has yeah. reminded me of? Has anyone seen the Sean Connery movie Zardoz? I haven't. Uh, am I pronouncing it right? Uh, Zardoz, yeah. How do you spell that? Um, 
Z A R D O C. Is that made before or after Highlander? Um, this is made 1974. Okay. Now, I just give you. I've seen this only a few times. You know, flipping through the channels, we watch. My dad's like, "I'm not watching this, right?" <laughs> but eventually, you piece it all together. Um, so the main plot line is: it's in a world where you have these hyper-masculine savages that worship these floating heads that dump guns in them and help them raid camps and whatnot. <laughs> Dang, this sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. And there eventually it gets to the part where Sean Connery comes on a quest and he wants to find out where the floating heads comes from because he realizes they're not a real god. And it turns out there's this society of people that were hedonists and they got everything they want. And now all they want to do is die because that's the only thing they can't do. Okay. So it's very, you know, very metaphysical. Lots of it's. I think that's why my dad hated it. He doesn't understand metaphysics very well. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Terminator, you know, in Star Wars. I mean, I like Terminator too, but I like to. I like to see things that have some, some depth. Yeah, yeah this, I, this I, has I like a to... lot of depth, but you know, I it's produced by hippies. But to, to me, it really shows the end of the road for hedonism. It's people just run out of things to do and it's just becomes nihilistic they just want to off themselves in the end you know so what you know um we're talking about the lady the artist abramovich whatever her name was yeah yeah and it just reminds me that every i mean how how central and and relevant the bible is because there's this story in Acts where Paul's walking around and he's, you know, spreading the gospel. And there's a woman who is like possessed by a spirit that it allows her to tell the future or whatever. Oh. And, and he basically, when she sees him, she recognizes that, you know, her fortune telling is no longer necessary. And the point that they make in the, in the passage is that her master's, are realized they're no longer going to make any money off of her. Hmm. Right. And so then as soon as, as soon as they realize they're not going to make any money off of her, the spirit, the evil spirit leaves her. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, that's, that's what we're facing right now is that we have Abramovich, who's basically like the manifestation of all this demonic influence over people. And all that is starting to dissolve as people are getting back to God and getting the back basics. to Christ, right? It's the like, real if Christ is, yeah, if the gospel is there, all these things start to dissolve. So this, uh, this Bramovich, it was, um, it's a book or? No, this is a, a woman. Oh, it's a woman. Yeah, I, I dropped her like childhood oh. bio in the thing. Oh wait, okay. This is this is her life story. Oh, this is a spirit cooker. Yeah. Oh god. So people actually thought. Wait, well, where was the? Um, she so she lost her entire following. Uh, yeah. I, th I think she's just old. That's a, like, well, no, it's <laughs> like um. So she's kind of starting basically with like PizzaGate, 
this yeah. whole world has been exposed. And so everything like Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, the adrenochrome, Wiener's laptop, all of these things are basically kind of like linked, lumped in with her. And they, they, all these people are connected in the same enterprise. And they are basically under siege right now. Or they have been for, for a few years now. And it's like where they were operating with total uh, impunity, basically. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, They're like it under always a magnifying happens. glass. Yeah. It always happens. It happens like, you know, it's a cycle. It happens dozens of times in the Bible. Eventually, the citizens get tired of it, you know? Like, they get too bold, they get too greedy, and too many people notice, and then they get expelled, right? Or you they know, get you know, arrested. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, you know? And how, in the end, he's just out in the fields eating the grass with the beast. He's humbled himself to a level no one else has, you know? Mm-hmm. It is, that is the problem with our societies. People can't, they've lost touch with things to a crazy extent. Well, I mean, who was, basically, the Bible starts out with the idea of, a, of the, you know, the ideal yeoman. Is that's what God created. Somebody who oh, lives, yeah. he, he is in dominion of the plants and the animals. And he is just kind of there to oversee God's creation. And exactly. then, you know, it, people just stray away from that. They, they, they are inclined, I guess, to kind of stray away from this very simple and but very fulfilling. And it's fulfilling because that's what God designed us to do. You don't find people who are like, oh, yeah, I do this, but I don't like it. You know, there's very yeah. few people that are like reluctant subsistence farmers that you know, is it, very it, true. Yeah. Those people are, are good. They're hard workers. They have like a sound moral compass usually. And, you know, it's like the further that you drift away from that, the closer you get to some kind of urban dystopian hell, then, you know, the, it's just, it's the exact same thing as getting away from God, getting away from his creation. And over and over again throughout the Bible, I mean, that's where people are, they're trying, you know, they need to get back to that. And if the best way to get back to that is understand that the pursuit of material wealth is, is nothing. It doesn't get you happiness. Exactly. Or it not, it maybe, maybe in a transient sense it can, but there's no fulfillment from it. I saw a guy who wants silver will always want more. I saw a cartoon recently. It was very good. It was on Telegram, um, but it was so funny. It's it's a guy. He's you know he's having a mediocre time. He's not very happy. He's got the double chin too, so you know he's American. <laughs> <laughs> but he's looking on, I guess something like Amazon, and he sees it says object. It says new object, and he clicks buy, and the, the mailman's like, here you go, new object. And he looks at it. He's got like this sublime little smile and then all of a sudden the next frame it just shows object and he's just staring at it what did i just get you know <laughs> <laughs> there's no fulfillment yeah it's all about 
trying to fill that 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 hole, you know, like the you know it, it whatever you do, whether it be drugs or buying stuff on Amazon or watching the latest movie, you know, you only get like temporary satisfaction. Exactly. You know, They're it, all cheap that, thrills. Yeah. 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 And you, and you kind of want like a, a relationship with the object. You, you want it to pour back into you. Like we always expect that to happen, but it's empty. Exactly. You know? That's why like you can't, I don't think truly have a successful relationship unless you first have a relationship with Christ. No, you absolutely cannot because you can't have any kind of... In order for you to be in a successful relationship with another person means that you have to accept the fact that they're going to be messed up. Not all the time, but definitely sometimes they're going to be wrong. They're going to make you angry. And without the model of like Christ and his church as the ideal love, Mm. you you can't, you know, you can't get into a relationship without the ability to, to forgive you know, unless you're going to be like a, a total tyrant. Yeah. You know I, that's what I mean? Really, and that's just not allowed anymore. Yeah. Even in, even in our circles, it's like we're solution driven, not relationship driven. Yeah. Like, well, like oh, you, is, don't, uh, you don't believe that? It's wrong. Yeah. Like, you up, oh, you think that? Up, oh, you're wrong. This, this is, it kind of goes back to what we were saying in episode one. And it's like, you know the, the the obsession with learning how to argue and lay down some really good burns against people. <laughs> it's it's useless. That is true. It's it's more about sticking it to people um, because you felt like a conservative has been kicked around too long. Now we're gonna kick you while you're down. Yeah, but it, it's that it, attitude. Yeah, it's very. I don't even know what you would. Call that uh it it lacks compassion it's it's very revenge driven you know yeah life cannot be a ping pong game that's that's what drives me so it drives me nuts about politics is a lot of it is a ping pong game mm-hmm. yeah like uh you know even the uh like there's there's a clip uh, recently from Trump when uh, somebody was saying somebody asked a question they said how how do you respond to this uh, video or, th- or this tweet that Biden said and then Trump's like oh he didn't even write that he wish he wrote it <laughs> like <laughs> without without even listening to it like he just already knows digs, you know? yeah he already knows this is just a ping pong game I don't care <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is useless right now we're the, the world's falling apart <laughs> like <laughs> you making digs of you know Alzheimer's jail oh yeah oh man that dude is hurting though I mean if you really think we have President Trump and it was Hillary Clinton who you know you whatever your opinion is mine is that she's basically a witch and mm-hmm. then and then Joe Biden right those are the two people that this system has said this is the best this this is what we this is who should rule you either Joe Biden or 
you know, President Trump, which I'm, I'm not, I don't like everything that he does, but I like a lot of things that he's, that he's changed or I like the change that his campaign has brought around and, and the people more, but, um, it's just, it sets up this false dichotomy again, right? Where it's like people have made politics their me- their measure of what's right and wrong. When politics is something that is like a, a parasite on humanity. It is. Politics yeah. cannot live without people. And the, uh, the inverse is not true. You know? Well, I, th- I think just like, and I, I'm a victim of this I'm guilty of this myself. Like, politics is just sports for sociopaths. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. I think it's replaced sports for our generation. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, we're the the most damaged and manipulative generation there is. Like, what do you think the whole obsession with red pills is? I'm going to manipulate your views and make you think this. Like, oh, yeah. It, like I don't think that's natural to to want to change the way people think. I gotta like, say, with the goal to change them, you know. Yeah, to, to, to me, to an extent, you know, I, I was into politics when it wasn't popular. You know, back in high school, in middle school, I used to follow it, but not not as much as I do now. But nobody else cared about politics then. You know, in the you know before Obama. Yeah. Nobody cared. Um, but as I got older, yeah, it turned into this game. But the thing is, it let, it allows people to some extent, it's the first crack in the foundation of the naive American sort of mindset. Now we're at war, and it's it's causing even average people to start thinking about deeper questions in life. And that's the only thing good thing I can see coming out of this dumb ping pong game. It certainly makes people pose more questions than sports ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they realize that they're the ping pong ball, you know, they <laughs> yeah. realize that they are, you know, somebody, I saw this, it was in relation to like uh, pornography on the internet. It said, if there's no, if they're not selling any product, then you can rest assured that you're the product, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. So like, People like they—they're like, well, I'm on this side now. No, I'm on this side. Well, you're—you're you're getting hit between the sides, and you don't really have—you don't have that much of a choice, you know. Like the only thing you could really do, I guess, as the ping pong ball, is maybe try to get off the table altogether, you know. And that's—that's that's yeah. the way that that I see it. Is that, you know, I—I I love the the meme phrase that there's no political solution, because the real solution is not. You know, political. Uh, the real solution is for you to get your life right, regardless of whatever, whoever's in charge, whatever the system is. You're constantly striving for something that is beyond politics. That and, is true. And we're getting back to you know where people are. You know, for a long time, and and, and I think that um, if there are some some negative aspects to the way that Christianity came to be in America is that it's basically like a little business and it's a brand, right? Where Christianity, you're saying? Right. Like where people, they go, well, no, we are this church. That means that we believe this special thing and you kind of have to be in total submission to this brand 
instead of the, being its yeah. submission to to Christ. To yeah, be the, honest, the splintering of doctrines. Yeah, I never saw that on. Well, within were you know my own family, because they were all a mixed. My dad was you know raised Catholic. My mom went to Assemblies of God, and I just went non to a non-denominational church, and you know, you know, it was mostly. No, originally for me it was just you know self-devotion and reading and all that sort of stuff and i was fine with that but when i was in you know, middle school i was kind of pissed the catholics did stick their nose up at me it was i didn't like it and the jews the catholics and the jews would be like oh uh your name sounds you know jewish you know are you a jew i'm like no and then just walk away you know happened to my mother too more than once <laughs> Well, there's a lot of similarities between Catholicism and Judaism, especially the way that they, especially the way that they kind of protect the brand without even knowing. Oh yeah, definitely. Without wanting to talk about, you know, like what the, what they're really promoting or what it was supposed to be about, or, you know, it's like just, you know, kind of like one of their centers of gravity is the fact that you just have to be really exuberant in defense of Catholicism. You know, whatever, Brand. you know, yeah. It's like, uh, and the best thing is like, well, we were talking about this before. It's like, okay, well, what about this and this? That Was that great that the Catholic Church did? Oh, no, no, no. That was when they're in a period of being lost. Okay. Well, yeah. how is that infallible then? Well, it just it's is. So, oh, you just don't have any faith. You know, and they, they lose their cool so fast. Because they don't want to talk about it, and the thing is, like, those are the same people that they don't know anything about the Bible. You know, like they they just know that you know it's basically the orange man bad mindset. They just exactly. they just know I, I have to uh, whatever it is. This is good, even though I can't explain it. And to them, that's what it means to to have faith. You know, and I think about this. Um... Yeah, I'm not too happy about it, but my grandfather has been trying to get us to all be Catholic because that's who she sort of feels like that's his obligation. And he didn't convert anyone except my cousin. And to be honest, my cousin, this one person, everyone's seen as the village idiot sort of the family. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently what happened was my grandfather paid for them to go to Catholic school. And... One of the teachers told the woman, took him aside, and apparently told him, if you're not Catholic, you go to hell. And that's what made him convert. Right. How yeah. long? I mean, for, that's for kind of... centuries, that's exactly how that worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, I would love for the Catholic to show me in Scripture where it says that. <laughs> and, and then they'll be like, well, you got to read the catechisms. Like, Okay, well, what do you hold higher? Do you hold scripture higher, or do you hold catechisms higher? I gotta be honest, that's the and one thing. Just... Yeah, for Catholics, they're very legalistic and obsessed with tradition to an extent that I don't... They, they put tradition before the Bible. Now, I understand Hank's position. Yeah. I certainly see value in tradition, and, and especially helping people understand and comprehend the faith. Um, but for me, when, when I saw that the, you know, the Protestantism, the branding sort of affected Protestantism a lot recently, 
including my own church. But look, it looks like a movie theater now. Um, I just it just feels disassociated. You know, it's a it's a holy place. Um, beautify it in the name of God. Don't make it look like a movie theater. Otherwise, why not just rent out some office building on Sunday? They're all closed. You know. Right. Well, I think yeah. that when when you uh, like I, when you look at the the contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and what was that the Jesus's actual message? He's like, you guys have gone basically to the Pharisees. You you're too you've taken the legalistic route for yeah. your own material gain, and you've lost you know the idea that this is uh, this is supposed to perfect your soul, your spirit. And so you have to approach it as if that is the, you know, your main goal and not, you know, not be limited, especially where it's going to limit your compassion, right? Exactly. So all the people that he healed and he healed in a way that was at odds with the law, right? And in yeah. this show that, yeah. that Kant recommended, it's like the, the, the rabbi that had John the Baptist arrested he said the law is God, right? And that's basically when people are, are are idolizing the government and the tradition, and they're not even idolizing the tradition. What they're doing is using the tradition as a way to glorify the you know the law. That's right? that is very true. Yeah. I mean, the few times I've read Talmudic passages looking for the things where they condemn Christians or something like this. I've read across some things that just seemed so psychotic to me. Um, one was, I think I mentioned this before, but there was, it was at least, um, it was a piece of Talmudic commentary, and it was about what you do when a non-Jewish person, a goy, accidentally touches, you know, the wine for Ezekiel when you're preparing it, right? And it's like, it's okay if he touches it, you know, with his hand, but if his foot touches it, it's it was so retarded. And like, can people actually take this seriously? You know? Oh yeah, it's just, total total technicality. Uh, yeah. It's it's the love of the law, but the interpretation of the law, like, <clears throat> and the like, the Talmud and the Catholic catechisms are essentially the same in a way mm. like in their in their philosophy I guess like we have to we have to make sure that we are following the law to this degree and you must um, put forth respect to the teachers of teachers because they have the authority given to them by God proven by you know their studies of it or whatever but they don't whenever you talk to like actual Jews or actual Catholics like you can challenge their beliefs and they don't they don't use scripture to defend it they use like catechisms or yeah they or use the, commentary um, teachers right. yeah. yeah which like it, it it's it, it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about like with the like I'm just looking for a red pill to throw at somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> see, this is true. Look at this. Like, it, it it's funny how like similar, it, what we have in our circles, 
is to like religion. Dude, I thought I had like what I thought was a, a brilliant way to describe illustration for the difference between the Torah and the Talmud, right? The written law and then the, the oral tradition. And it's, you know, what what's the hat that they wear? The little hat. What's it called? Uh, the kibbah? <laughs> yeah. The, the yarmulke? The, yarmulke? Or the, kibbah. Yeah. the, the yarmulke? Yeah, the... Yes, yeah. Right, it, it, it's yarmulke, right? How do you spell it? Like yarmulke. Like <laughs> right. And so, yeah. what we, but we know, we speak English, and it's written in English in, the, in that yarmulke whatever, but yeah. we pronounce it with a Yiddish accent. That's the norm, right? <laughs> and so, even though it's written one way, yeah. it's spoken and known by the oral tradition. You know, not by how it's written at all. Mm. We nobody. I've never once heard somebody pronounce it the way that it's written. It's always <laughs> yamaka, which is like, you know, if you were going to apply that to, you know, the word Marmaduke, which has a similar, you know, phonetic <laughs> break, it'd be Mamaduke, right? And we don't talk <clears throat> like that. But in this specific case, even just to describe something as trivial as that, you know, and it's kind of like a. A, a fractal manifestation of the the overall issue is that you know we there's so many things that we don't have any why is it an exception you know why do we have that exception for that language and why do we emulate their speech when we talk about this thing and and it's sort of like a symptom of the larger problems that we do that we're doing all these other things that we're like hold on why why am i you know, all these kind of cringe things that have crept up on American people throughout the years that we're trying to, if you're red pill, you're trying to get away from it. You're like, how did I, how did I pick this up? How did this become the norm? It's just <laughs> crept its way in there, you know? Even if something as simple as like one it all, word. Yeah, it, it all boils down to people wanting to do what they're supposed to do. Like we, we desire to fit in we want to we want to uh conform to the world around us i i guess that's that's true to an extent um but for people like us we're not conforming we're we're looking to go back to what makes us good people we have a moral compass a moral compass I mean, oftentimes goes against society you know yeah definitely i mean well let's let's face it like e even even in our circles like we regulate our own behavior and speech like we don't act the way we, we we still are responding to ideology like it's just our own that's the only difference but it, it feels like it is a lack of ideology because you know comparing it to the way america in general i think it's 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 yeah it's about our sense of wanting to restore what we used to have um, and we want to rid ourselves of what this modern world has produced, you know? Yeah, the no e-girls, yeah, no, think, I think no anime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, stuff like that. But it's just they, but we don't, we're not, we're not, we don't even have awareness of where, you know, we've lost our own way. Right. And that's what I yeah. think a big symptom with modern Christians 
is that some somewhere along the way where Christ came in opposition to what we know as Judaism, there was born this thing, Judeo-Christianity, right? Like <laughs> that's not, that's, that's like, uh, that's like saying democratic Republicanism. Really? Yeah. I mean, I got just... really disturbed the other day when my dad very assertively said it was Sunday and, and he said, well, you know, the Romans, they persecuted, they killed Jesus. The Romans did that. I'm like, oh my God. The lack of basic knowledge about that whole little time frame there disturbed me, to say the least. Yeah, but he's so. But those people that have that, they have that stance. They don't have it as a sense of evil. They have it because they've been lied to. Exactly. You know? Like yeah. someone in a high in a position of authority told them that, and that's why they believe it. I and, don't think it's as much lying in the case of. Especially for conservative circles, if you're your local preacher, you know, he's running a more open-minded, maybe, you know, doesn't want to harp too much on political notes. But if he sees a verse that says, you know, you know the Jews took um, you know, took that, that blame upon themselves and their descendants for killing Christ, that's not going to go very down very well with the audience, you know? So maybe they just don't emphasize that a little too much. You know what I mean? It's self-censorship, even in our own circles. Well, and that's born out of the, the one of the main characteristics of Christianity is compassion and forgiveness, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that sets it apart from another, you know, or at least the other Abrahamic religions. And that's, you know, because those people, people who are Christian, they're, you know, already inclined to be compassionate they're already inclined to be that way and it's sort of been uh, you know taken out of historical context and abused when the whole the whole lesson i mean even even the the just the very simplistic and and incomplete view of scripture to say that jews are god's chosen people like that means they're entitled to to something right yeah, because it, it becomes entitlement um and the problem is people do not want to separate ideology and religion from just people they say if you don't like judaism you don't like jews you hate them personally which is not true you know right so that's the thing How people, many people, people are afraid to read that verse people are afraid to read read that verse about you know the jews taking on the guilt you know, for killing Christ. Um, and they want to say, though, that's justification for Hitler, you know, uh, instead of maybe they've got the wrong ideas and maybe they should have listened to Jesus. You know, they, they think uh, as well, soon as you say well, the whole idea this one little thing, you're going to go down, you know, skinhead lane and that's it. Oh yeah. Cause that's a, the false equivalent. The whole, like, oh, uh, you don't, exactly. you don't agree with this. Then you are. Then you basically, and and that's why it's so critical in, for me to have like the real story of World War II and what you know the story of the Holocaust talked about because they're basing the whole thing on something that they've been told happened a certain way, and exactly you know, and everything comes from that. If you say you know what I think that. Uh, 
that the government should have a rep in with these industries, then that gets equated to, okay, you want to put six million of Pure this persecuted, <laughs> six, six million of God's children in a gas chamber, right? <laughs> that's the equivalency. That, that, I mean, and, and that's what, that's the way that Americans understand it. It's yeah. so, it's so absurd. And you know how many Americans know anything about World War II beyond what they saw in Saving Private Ryan? You know, I gotta be honest. Um, I was impressed when. Uh, you ever been to a tag sale out west? A, a what sale? Like um, out west um, in Arizona, they've got these gigantic tag sale barns because it's too hot to hold them outside. So it's like a gigantic Goodwill. Okay. And. It's just all this. Like you know, a, these you're talking about like a flea market, right? Exactly. Uh, but it's you know everyone has their individual stands, and the money goes to the people once you buy their stuff in their little area. You know they may not even be there, but I was surprised at the amount of bookshelves that were there. I guess people that got stuck in retirement homes or you know dementia, passed away, can't read anymore, already read everything. These bookshelves, and it was all World War II literature. That's what the boomers were reading, World War II, and it was all from our perspective. You know, I don't know, man. You, you also have to realize the the people who go to to those flea markets are a lot different than your average guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that, it's 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 sort of a retirement community culture out there, and old people tend to browse other old people's garbage. <laughs> Yeah. Well, every every Old person that was like our grandparents, I mean, our grandparents are basically far right extremists in the modern sense. And, you oh know, yeah. And um, you can't that that was this isn't the first time in history that you know that that trend has taken off. I mean, it took off in the Old Testament multiple times: Sodom and Gomorrah, Babylon. Uh, even when, you know, in the wilderness, uh, when there's no state, right? When it's just the God's chosen people on their own accord, they, they still trend in that direction, right? Because yeah. all humans do unless they're seeking yeah. a righteous path. And we've just been told that, yeah, what the righteous path is this thing that, that you know, ends up not being righteous at all. Or just, just be materialistic and successful yeah. and you know god wants you in the green god you know god oh, wants god. you uh to be prosperous and there's no really to um, feel good <laughs> right well you want to take you want to be a good provider for your family because if you oh, do boy. then they need to have all the products all the snuggies you know, and that's what it's become Fidget that's spinners. what yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know on, honestly, if, if like if you want your your kids to be like closer to Christ, you should probably put yourself into a, a financially limited situation. You know, like have have about twelve children and barely make it by. Live frugally and dedicate your life to the Lord. <laughs> like, like uh, I don't think that upper middle class uh, is a good situation to like raise a child in a christian sense uh, yeah i'm and i'm living in connecticut and or that's where i grew up and i gotta say a lot of people they don't turn out right 
you know, all these upper class kids. You're kind of right. Most of these people are, they were, they came out of poverty and then they wanted to give their children everything they didn't have, right? Exactly. Then they gave their children everything they didn't have and they became consumeristic and their whole life was revolved around getting value out of new things. Yeah, I'd say for for one thing, for half the kids, they do the same path. They they want to pursue materialism like their parents taught them, and the other half were they feel like uh, they just they're just burned out, and they don't actually care yeah. for materialism. Like the nihilism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's occurring. Well, more I, th- and more. I, th- I definitely think that's yeah. That's the it, it it goes it goes like this, you know, like we we have these postmodernists that try to make like a utopia and then the people who are taught it and they accept it they're they're not fulfilled and then they they turn into nihilists you know but i think like the next stage is kind of like moving towards where everybody like in our groups are at you know that the the trickster archetype that challenges the system and wants to try out something new you know and like it's people who think like us that work towards actually crafting something different you know like a new philosophy a new worldview exactly and And you know you you could say like the answer is just christ but that i mean like that can teach uh like a person how to live their life but it's not a way to run a society which is kind of what we're trying to do and We've seen how yeah. that we got, fails. You can find Christ, you know, but then you got to walk like him, you know. You got to follow exactly. in his footsteps. And you, you can't, yeah, you, you can't. Well, the application, the, the end of it, the body after a personal relationship. Well, the way that you're supposed to live as a as a man is not the same as what's uh what's the best way to run a, an organization. Right. And that's why exactly, there's yeah. such a yeah. hard time is because people are like, well, if we have freedom of religion and we have a, this is where it, probably one of the things people, I think they get wrong the most is when they harp on the separation of church and state, right? Oh, boy. The separation of church and state really was about keeping the state from interfering with the church. It wasn't really about, you know, keeping the yeah. president from making a decision that favored Christians or, you know, whatever. I, I've always and, seen it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're saying uh, it's keeping the state from interfering with the church's personal affairs, right? Right, because when that was happening, uh, that was, you know, it basically, if you didn't have of if you didn't agree with the church of england the anglican church as it was in america then yeah. you you basically were an outlaw that that is true the pure and you were not allowed you were exempted you were not allowed to participate you were not allowed to have any kind of representation and it was just uh you know allowing people of other christian denominations to have like a local position like a sheriff or a mayor or a constable or whatever and um it was to keep the state from, you know, fr- from having making state type decisions for religious purpose. I guess. I mean, yeah, that was that was the case with, um, you know, the whole Guy Fox mess comes from the uh, the gunpowder plot where Catholics tried to blow up Parliament, 
right. you had the Puritans that left for the Netherlands and then started to realize they were getting assimilated in the Dutch culture and came to America. And then you had the presbyters from the Scottish, you know, lowlands and the English highlands, you know, that ended up going to Northern Ireland and then to America so they could, you know, live their religious lives as they saw fit. So there is that that element to America, sort of the American founding myth, which is you know, a place where Christians can, you know, practice and follow God as they please. Um, but I've also seen another narrative, and that's sort of the Enlightenment thought. You know, Jefferson was highly influenced mainly by um, the thinkers in France. And the thinkers in France were in a very different situation where the church often dictated or decided what kind of laws, especially in the moral realm, existed. So I always see... Oh, yeah, the Catholic Church. Yeah. So I yeah. see the, the place someone like Thomas Jefferson comes from is the church is the real threat, or the Thomas Paine. I think we've talked about this before. But I really see, I think for most Americans, when they look and they see, um, you know, religious freedom, the first thing that comes to mind is on a subconscious level, not a, not a conscious level, is that Christian, our inherent social morality, the morality of our culture, inherently needs to be restrained to some extent. Otherwise, we get another crusade or inquisition. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that when, when there's a lot of atheists that the, they like to point to quotes from Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, where they said things like, you know, the church is a perverted institution and oh, yeah. they don't, they don't know anything about Christianity. So to them, they, they equate that to anybody who's a Christian, right? When what this is really talking about is something that we talk about all the time is that yeah. when in the case of the Catholic church or any, any mega church, right? Where it becomes a business, and then you have this sort of uh, unregulated power and influence and it's left to people and people are forced to be subservient to it. Before too long, it's inevitable. Somebody's going to abuse that power. Somebody's going to abuse I that do privilege. Get that. I do get that perspective. Um, but for and me, so I think it, when the founding fathers said things like, hey, these they uh, were these against churches. Corruption, yeah. Right, they weren't against, yeah. but but the way that that gets uh, pushed to you know by simple, simple atheists is like, you know, that they were radical liberal libertarian types that had you know basically were hedonists, and then I... that really couldn't be farther from the truth in, in my opinion. I know that both of those presidents, I'm sorry, not presidents, but both of those founding fathers yeah. did have things that they did that were you know like they were questionable but that's not the sum of of who they were now, now i see that point but where, where i differ is it's not just church corruption because to a large extent you know we know the end results of the french revolution but it a lot of people don't um because it seems removed in time but it really isn't too much between communism and the enlightenment and i really see the nexus you know, sort of at the Paris Commune, you know, that was the first real attempt at a communist sort of society. The thing is, Christianity, 
they eventually wanted to remove it because it was sort of an element that dictated morality to them. It, it, it dictated to them, you know, natural law comes at mm -hmm. us and tells us sort of that we are all equal. Um, not only that, but if we we just freely exchange goods and ideas, then we'll all get along. Does not recognize as a Christian would inherent evil. So natural law, sort of when you know, was that uh, the second treatise on government by you know John Locke will talk about the Native American in his primitive state, right? He is sort of without chains from society um, compared to today, and this whole thing. They want to put this founding myth that man sort of was in the garden, right? The Native American mm -hmm. was peaceful. Uh, yeah. And on the other hand, the Bible will clearly so, tell us that even in paradise, man is fallible. Man will resort to evil and greed and desire. It's in our nature. And John Locke is sort of rejecting that part of our nature, you know? Do you think, um... Well, uh, you said something about, um, like, you know, the kind of destroying the church under... Yes. Com oh. Communism. Uh, what about, like, didn't Stalin kind of adopt the Orthodox Church during uh, his rule? I think he outlawed the Orthodox Church because most churches were shut down during the communist periods. Yeah, and I don't. And even even if it was a claim that he did, if you're, you know, yeah. if you're judging that by the results, I mean, there's no way that you could, <laughs> in good faith, seize seize the the livelihood of your citizens who were Orthodox, by the way, in Ukraine and other places, till they yeah. starved to death in the millions. I mean, yeah, that that's not like that's even. <laughs> You know, okay, there's one That's... thing where where it's like, okay, here's the enemy, we're going to kill them because they're seeing them, you see them as a threat or whatever. But this to is me, just like unpersoned. It's the threat to egalitarianism that you get in going back to John Locke's natural order. Natural law, I see, is the foundation for egalitarian thought. You know, I see a long stretch from egalitarianism, yeah. you know, in 16th century English thought all the way to you know the Bolshevik revolution I sort of see a continuation of how do we push the egalitarian ideal you know and at some point it comes to the point where we say Christianity goes against the foundational teachings of egalitarian thought so therefore the communists decide we have to remove it and I mean that's why I think Jefferson in some of his writings said I think Christianity will go the way of the Greek gods because he thought through reason people would get rid of it and realize that the real well according to him the real order is the natural law order that is what's reasonable and true not Christianity that's he wanted to see that gradual sort of incline to a reasonable society society founded on materialistic reason um, and in, in the middle part of that, you know, before sort of between Jefferson and, you know, our current, you know, Marxist paradigm, you know, Marcusean Marxism, you know, Frankfurt School, I sort of see um, 
I've mentioned him before, you know, H.G. Wells and his political writings were very much, it, it very much seemed to in line with sort of enlightenment thought. Sort of a culmination in the cosmopolitan ideals of enlightenment. Do you think that the enlightenment thought was only possible due to its demographic and cultural context? No, for that, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was due a lot to the freeing up of, of the, the ability of a new aristocracy to form, you know? You know but I'm, when, I guess what I'm trying to say, if, if it wasn't a European Christian culture where this thinking was taking place, would it have ever taken place? I think it took place in the context not of necessarily a Christian culture, but a culture that valued reason and materialism more than Christianity. So if you look at our society, you know, I'd say Europe is defined by Christianity. But to look at modern Europe, I'd, I'd equate it more to Japan, where Buddhism came in on top of Shintoism and it was sort of, it's just the sheen, right? Zen Buddhism is a sheen on Japanese culture. It doesn't really affect it. And to our extent, I see the modern Christian in Europe yeah, the modern liberal average Christian, Christianity is only a sheen on that egalitarian materialism. Does that make sense? Well, do, do you think like as in it's yeah, not the foundation? Uh, it's just I a, get that. It's just a a uh, facade now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that that's a, I agree with that completely. That the that it's not real Christianity so with, with because it's not foundational. Yeah, that that foundation was eroded. So, uh, yeah. When you when you apply the logic, so you, you think essentially like a an effective society that's based on Christian values should be anti egalitarian, sort of like the like the concepts of like the dark enlightenment kind of thing. Not, you know, not necessary. The, not anti-egalitarian but just realize it's it's a false thing to pursue you i mean i think the average european peasant you know you know in the medieval period would leave his trust in god you know he wasn't i mean he was at the throes of maybe plagues and you know large religious or house wars between different you know royal families but he wasn't really panicking too much because he, his trust was in with God. This is sort of how I see it, sort of the peasant ideal. You know, you you have your trust in God, but you don't really have control of any political or any other form, right? God is what you have. Yeah. So do you think they uh, they um, mistake or they call, they call it equality? But what it ends up being is a forced, false, lowest common denominator ism. Yeah, right. To an Where it's like, it's like, uh, and that, and that's why there's you know, hypocritical racism against white people, is because they're saying you know it's not about being equal. It's about not. It's about um, lowest common denominator. You know, yeah. like we don't want you to be gifted in this sense. 
We it's, want it's you. It's the repressive to... tolerance. Chop us down until we're at everyone else's level. Right, because they can't get anything out of it. It's not if you ran things in a in a sense of merit, then the the lower ninety percent of performers wouldn't do anything. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, that's basically how it works out anyway. This this guy told me one time he was like, any group of people, you can break it down like this: you have ten percent of them that are making everything happen. 40% of them are going along with it and 50% are opposing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like any, any organization is basically going to have that breakout. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much sums it up. There's very few people that actually are moved to do anything, not just because they think that you don't have any power, but they don't want to think too much. You know, they don't want to you know, make a deep dive into what's wrong with society. I'd say that was, as it happens to be with almost all my family. You question anything out of the ordinary, you know, you go against the mainstream, you know, this ping pong narrative, it bothers them. They don't want to think about it. Right. Yeah. They, but how, okay, so how do they escape? The Zenith rule? <laughs> the what? I said kind of lies with the Zenith rule. You know, like uh, 70% do... I mean, no, no, no. Uh, 30% of the people do 70% of the work. You know, 30% of the people do 70% of the thinking. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But they, they apply that, you, that. It applies to everything in life. Virtually. Despite being only 30% of the population, they do 70% of the thinking. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty close. So how do y'all's families escape the, you know, like, I, I can't, if I start getting into, you know, the things that are forbidden to talk about, and, you know, I can tell that they get uncomfortable or whatever, then my family likes to, you know, resort to TV, sports. So, like, oh, yeah. this this quarantine thing, Man, that's been been pretty disruptive. That there's no professional sports on TV uh, yeah, for, for, my, for them. For my family, it's my dad. He can watch the same movies uh, over and over again and never get bored. And then he drives my mom nuts <laughs> by memorizing the lines. <laughs> oh, see, I love it. that's that's right up my alley. <laughs> I was just explaining oh, to uh, to Kant the my my uh, six sigma mindset on if it, if you like any movie you owe it to yourself to watch it at least seven times oh yeah oh boy <laughs> I mean, I have i've never, I've never like actually that. thought of doing that like I, i'll re i'll re reread stuff but i don't rewatch. well i'll rewatch youtube videos but not movie oh man um, i could if i could tell you how many times i watched braveheart Whew. there is one movie oh, i i watch over and over it's the Great Escape. I have to have seen it at least thirty times. That's my go-to. The Great Escape. The Great Escape. I'm gonna have to check yeah. that out. I think it. I, I think I. I don't because I kind of what what I view uh, movies as is like a an emotional outlet in a way. Like when you rewatch it, you kind of it numbs that. But it, yeah. it like you said, it does kind of open the door. Uh, like evaluation and like. You know, looking deep into it more, you you notice more of the each time you. See it. 
Oh, dude, I, I, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I, I watched, you know, all of Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> I and, missed the last uh, season. Was it any good? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was entertaining. I, I just, the, I just love the. Uh, every season seems to be just. Well, the last season seems to be like just Gibbs Gibbs everything the audience wants. Oh, it's just total <laughs> gratification. Yeah, right? it's well, too funny. So, while I was watching it, probably like three or four seasons in, and I realized like I had cracked their value system, right? So like anybody who's telling yeah. a story, you know, they're going to put different parts. They're going to basically write in what they believe is justice mm. into mm. the story, right? So they're going to write in what they believe is acceptable for humans to do and what is realistic justice for them when they step outside of that, right? Oh, yeah. Don't and you... so and I was, as I was watching it, I was like, man, these people are just like, this is the t- stereotypical liberal. I mean, like, uh, homosexuality is just fine. Prostitution should is in sex work is a part of everyday life, yeah. and uh, slavery is the ultimate evil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Didn't she burn them all alive with those dragons? The slave the landowners or the slave owners or whatever. Oh yeah, she did. Oh boy. Yeah, she oh. um, in a very dramatic fashion. You know, she's like, "Oh no, I'm not here to surrender to you." I'm here for you to surrender to me. And then here come the dragons just smoking everything. Oh, yeah. And then the slave army, you are all free. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think that that's the, those are the greatest. Those are some good memes where it's like what a white person thinks when they stick up for a minority. And it's oh, like that, the that queen the like part. getting carried yeah. by all the masses. Yeah, she was, she was white with bleached blonde white hair. And she's fleeing that army, of, freeing that army of like blacks and Arabs, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's she's in dominion of all these people of color yeah. as being like the whitest of white. There's not like a hint of irony, right? And then and then, but the ultimate evil, the heartless, mindless, just zombie class, are the White Walkers, right? Oh yeah, the it's white. So obvious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man wow. I mean it is just it's a, it's a I look at it now and I go I mean there's a high production value so I kind of I'm kind of that like that I get kind of suckered in by a high production value sometimes Same. and then you know it's like oh man this, this is this is good stuff and then there's some likable characters I'll be like oh, alright I'm into this and then I watch it I see it and I go what what did I put myself through? You know, like I should have been watching I should have been watching something else again. I, I yeah, should I, watch I, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings again or something. I, I do that too. Like it, it almost ruined the movie experience for me because like I, I'm ever since I started like analyzing movies, I can't enjoy a movie. once you see the strings that pull ideology, it's like Movies are ruined. You can no longer be a viewer. You are oh, right. You, Even you when were, I was a kid, I yeah. mean, we, we must have seen that. Like uh, my dad, every time you know the world ends movie and we screwed up the environment, 
my dad we'd be sitting like i was just like bullshit you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I was my mom watched this uh, this movie she she rented it on like pay-per-view it's about this Christian singer songwriter guy and the whole time I'm watching it it's like okay this is just about um, you should you should always stay with a woman even if she's talking to other guys it your faith in God will will make her choose you first and and you'll also be a really good singer too and you'll be famous <laughs> this is christian movies now <laughs> well it, it it was uh what's his name i i, I had to walk out of it halfway through because i just my mom made me leave because i was laughing at all of the emotional motifs so so it's a bit of christianity with a bit of Feminism, like little rabbit turds sprinkled in the punch. <laughs> exactly, but it's from the perspective of the the guy. Oh boy! But I, it, the whole time I'm watching, I'm I'm thinking I, I would never I would never put up with any of this. I, the first moment I realized that she's still talking to the other dude, I'm like goodbye. Yeah, even oh, my yeah. friend uh, who's who's not even Christian, he's an atheist. And his, his, one of his ex-girlfriends was hanging out with his friends when he wasn't there. He's like, no, we're not doing this anymore, you know? Yeah. It's a bit of common sense, and I just don't think uh, the egalitarian leftist understands that. Like the, uh, the well, no, destiny. They, they understand uh, it very well, so that's why they uh, say, oh, you need to accept that. You know, in the, oh, yeah, yeah. How many, how many times has it been this story that you hear nowadays where it's a girl and she says, well, my best friend's a guy, right? Oh, oh, God. oh well, and then you dig into it. It's like, well, yeah, I did sleep with them once or twice. Right? Okay, <laughs> dude. But for as far as entertainment goes, what's flipped for me totally, I like a switch, is comedy. Right, regular comedy, it gets nothing out of me. It does not move me at all, and oh, I can man. only laugh at like at things that are trying to take themselves seriously. Or things oh. where their agenda is so obvious. Exactly, we we laugh at all the wrong parts. Yeah. If them. it's not like <laughs> if it's if it's not like a yellow dog or a frog or something, I'm probably not gonna find it funny. I've been <laughs> ruined. I've been totally ruined in that sense. Yeah, like my that, sense that of is, humor is totally backwards now. That is true. When the when the bell, uh, it Game of Thrones, where they blow up the whole the capital city. And this bell yeah. is just, just cascading down through the crowds of people, and I'm like laughing my ass off, and everyone stared at me. <laughs> just the wrong part, you know? It was supposed to be like, oh no, the poor queen. Why doesn't I guess. that shock you? Why doesn't that shock you? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Dude, when they were marching her through the street, going like, shame, shame. I was shame. laughing, oh, my dude, ass I was up there laughing too. so yeah. hard. <laughs> Oh, and you know man. the feminists are just like, oh my god, it's so primitive. It's, They're it's, like, that's that's uh, basically what I experienced. The, this you is know. male culture. <laughs> hey, so uh, I I don't I usually like to have a good explanation for everything, but this this girl asked me. She goes, well, why is it that you know if a girl sleeps with a bunch of guys, she's a slut, and if a guy sleeps with a bunch of girls, he's like a stud. And I if, I was able to like recall. A uh, a meme, and it says like uh, it says 
you know, a key that opens many locks is a master key, but a lock that opens for many keys is a shitty lock. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it's such, it's such like a, you know, like a, a zinger, (laughs) a zinger, but there was no, there was no response to that. It shut the whole thing down. Like there was, it was like, "Mm, well, well, yeah, I, I mean, there was no arguing with it. And I just realized like, that is what we're up against. We're up against things that are defeated by zingers. Right? <laughs> like you, that's what we're facing because that's all they know. Oh, Don't yeah. try to reason with them. Don't try. You, you just like hit them. Like that's what I think. That's like the Nick Fuentes uh, method almost. It's just throwing it's just the zingers like, back at them. Black, yeah. black humor. Yeah, black humor zingers. <laughs> <laughs> Like Tony, yeah. Uh, you know, hit him with that master key reference the <laughs> yeah. next time that comes up. I, I mean, it was a showstopper. I was thinking about the uh, what was it reminds me of? It's just like the memes where it's like, "Hey Tony, why isn't the chimney connected to the building?" You know? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. The best one that I see in that was like, and I don't ever know if they're real or not because I'm not on Twitter anymore. Yeah, but Bill Bill Mitchell. Where he's like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, maybe we should ask them how they cremated so many people in World War II. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the bodies are piling up in Italy or whatever. <laughs> and uh, they said something like six million uh, people are going to be infected or whatever. And he was like, those numbers don't add up to me. <laughs> right. So, so I don't know if they're like real. If they're not real, then they're they're real funny. But I mean, it's just those things get circulated as a screenshot. Oh, yeah. The problem is anything has become believable at this point. The way people are acting, so. Oh and yeah, we're in la, we're in La La Land. And they made it even more believable because I looked at that for a good few seconds, like fifteen seconds solid, and then I noticed in the corner it was like a two a.m. tweet. Like <laughs> maybe you know. <laughs> but he does do stuff like that. I mean, that dude is. I mean, that dude is a mess. But oh I just I'm, thought I just thought when you see this, because because yeah. Pete, that's how you know that's how mean magic works. If you you know if you believe in that type of stuff, which I I happen to. Mean magic, yeah. I mean, I don't it, think it's it literal magic. I think what it is is like ideas get seeded in people's heads, and if it's in a framework that that they recognize as authoritative, if it's in a format that they say, oh. Well, if I see their face up in the upper left-hand corner next to their name, then they said that, mm. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, I mean, that's their that's their uh, measure of if something is true or not. Is like, well, I mean, it says it right here. Yes, if, if, I mean, cap, if Captain Checkmark um, says it's true, then it is. <laughs> what, what if? Okay, so the, back to the 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 mean magic thing. What, what if we're actually able? to meme a government into existence i think we already did that. i think we are yeah. right now this yeah. is in okay this is really insane all it takes and all, all it has taken in all throughout history is artistic minds which are able to formulate fictional realities in a way that makes it pl- pleasing to the people that's all you have to do to t- to change the entire world it's it's true yeah it's true and that, that i think that there's kind of like a a really great um 
statistic, you know, that can be applied many ways from the revolution where they talk about, you know, you needed 3% of the population. And so and you're the, saying the artistic ones usually initiate. Oh, yeah. This it, reminds it, it, me. Well, it's the, the creative cre thinkers. The, yeah, the creative yeah. Uh, discerning thinkers. Yeah, this reminds me. If you ever look into an art movement, um, any art movement, be it like a pre-Raphaelette or anything like that, or neo-romantic, romanticism, there's always a political, there's a literature side, you know, that's all interconnected, you know? Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It, it's, these movements are mostly not just art, you know, like in the textbook would tell you, they're holistic movements. And sort of with the revival of pre-Raphaelettes and the revival of medieval literature and writing styles, here comes Chesterton, right? Mm -hmm. And the medieval. Well, what do you guys think about like? Uh, okay, so you know, you've, have you ever heard of somebody say the the phrase like, "It's it's more of an art than a science." Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like. Um, and that, I guess to me, what that implies is that there's not a set of rules that guarantees success, right? Mm -hmm. Into yeah. something. And then there's this, there's this American Marine Corps publication about, you know, basically doctrine for their mindset of war. And it makes that statement. It says that, you know, it's as much an art as it is a science. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, influence and persuasion and rhetoric is not really art where okay the 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 literature is not the medium the cultural change is the is the canvas of that for, the, for yeah. something like the military the well no, no i mean i mean in general so in in yeah. uh in if you wanted to look at president trump as an artist i mean his the the canvas would be you know the american culture so right. that's the meat like he's a he's a cultural artist you know which i guess we is a performance artist right i guess i could say that he's but um... those those art those those different you know art changes the way that people live changes the way they think and the way that they act changes the way that they live and i think that he applies he is making the art side of it like where it's like there is this set of rules the science behind it has been disproven <laughs> you know like yeah. that's how he secured the nomination that's how he got elected yeah is that I, he I, disregarded the rules if i think about that he is an artist sort of hearkening back to um sort of the american you want to call it an art for but more i think of it as showmanship the pt barnum style showmanship you know I think that's what Trump is to a large extent, you know, the shock and awe that lost yeah, it's something. It's entertaining. Exactly. It's more, it's almost, it's, it's more entertaining than it is informative, but people inform their decisions based on that. that okay. Uh, I mm. think that's why the, the left hates Trump so much because he is an art and not a science. Oh yeah. Like Definitely. when you look at Obama, like you know, he was the he was the science guy. He was trying to through statistical uh, like maneuvers and focus groups. I he think, wanted to become the the perfect president. Then you got well, he's Trump. like as much of a Manchurian yeah. candidate as he it, could possibly have. It, exactly, <laughs> and then and then you got like Donald Trump, and he's just like 
he's literally using nothing but wit for everything he does. He doesn't even research. He 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 gets like a couple ideas from his board and his closest pals or whatever. You know, he 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 had like a, an advisor who read Bronze Age mindset, and you know, just like these little ideas that are thrown at him, and then he uses them in an artistic way in his speeches, and it it it's hilarious and beautiful at the same time. Well, I think he has like he looks at people for their capacity to influence. Right. Yes. So he knows that if I appeal to this certain group of people, it's going to enable them to exercise their ability to influence. And I'm just giving them basically low hanging fruit to uh, to gather and, <laughs> and, and use for for their own purpose. And it's 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 amazing. To me, I don't like I said, I don't agree with a lot of the things that he does, but I'm really kind of just overwhelming, overwhelmed with happiness that more Americans are like willing to put on a Groiber avatar and start saying some wild stuff to people. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't think that that was, uh, I mean, there's always been people who would have said whatever, but now that's like, there's a sense of duty attached to it almost yeah we're, we're killing this polite society that you know really had us under the foot for so long yeah or oh, fighting well i mean it's killing us killing our culture oh yeah i think well, i think it's hilarious. the bad side of it at least yeah <laughs> I, I think that you know when when uh <laughs> I, I i just see a draw an MS Paint file that has more influence than somebody who <laughs> was groomed for you know they were selected <laughs> as a young adult and then groomed and for all these years oh yeah and that that now it's realized that like you should have been trying to connect to real people and since yeah, the, you weren't the chosen prince yeah it's tossed out. By shitty memes by some kid in middle school. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and when I see those videos of like uh, the quarantine college classes online, and like oh, yeah. Zoomers are just infiltrating and. But what are they saying now? That no, no means yes, and yes means um, anal or something. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I saw. But. Uh... What else are they doing? <laughs> so you know, if we're talking about if we're talking about you know the Darth Vader principle, like earlier, who imagine how many documentaries were on Netflix while we were growing up about Adolf Hitler? You there know? had to have been like <laughs> so, like dozens. That was that was the History Channel for me growing up. I thought it yeah. was like the World War II channel. You know. <laughs> Yeah, for, for me, uh, Netflix was DVDs when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. Well, the, all these people have been watching all this Hitler stuff their whole life. And yeah. he's begin and, and when it's kind of trivialized in a funny meme, then it becomes... Yeah. He becomes well, you, like a, a lovable character, right? Ex and then exactly. there's other people who, who are like, I mean, that basically worship him. Then you're wondering how... You know how how are these people wondering where these ideas are starting to circulate? 
if they, you know, they put them out there themselves. I, I think I think mm. it it comes more out of what we're told not to do. It's like a Jaws right? or a Thanos, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're it, drawn it, to it. We're drawn to yeah. a thing that's forbidden. And and okay, so like with me, you know, everything that I was told is forbidden. Like when I was growing up, I I ended up rebelling and going to see. Is it really that bad? You know. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I think I think that's natural. Like you you begin to question what you're taught. That's part of becoming an adult but you know they didn't realize that just because they don't teach you to question what you're taught in high school doesn't mean that you will not eventually be forced to do it and like there's a a big consequence to all of the programming and training that they did it has like an opposite effect once you enter any type of academic or logical environment you know well when yeah. people face the real world and they and they kind of have this shock like oh man it's not like they told me it was going to be you know it's like <laughs> i was basically if for a, for american nowadays to face any kind of confrontation they've had no preparation for that whatsoever except so to mean. cry for a safe space <laughs> that's it oh. They, uh, I mean, that's, even that's Republicans, it, man. man, they even do the same. Like you bring up anything that goes against their the Democrats or the real racist plantation, it just they lose it. Well, just take away what? the the political thing. Like, okay, what would you do if someone walked up to you and was filming you with a camera? Right? You would you would you would think in your mind, oh, I'd knock that guy out if he didn't put it down, or I'd punch him. But in yeah. reality people won't do anything like they just submit to what they're being forced to deal with yeah That's well true. very few people have that uh have that there very few people are inclined to fight back yeah only crazy people fight back like, right only <laughs> it, criminal it, you know gangster types or whatever yeah but, I, I mean it we're intelligent people are taught to submit like that's it's the when you evaluate like what you could lose fighting back will always like hurt you in the long run yeah, that reminds me of this uh this old viral video my uncle sent me from a long time ago where the guy goes around in the supermarket and he farts in everyone's personal space and <laughs> oh. nobody does anything <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but there's this one guy and he's got like this gigantic blonde ponytail he's got tattoos all over and even him so the guy far next to him and he gets really pissed off and he comes running back with a baguette and he's about to feed him but then he decides not to and walks away <laughs> yeah oh so. my god okay i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go live for a second i guess on uh the thing and i don't know if you guys have seen this, but here Streamer is offline. No. Oh, uh, you can't see it? Oh, I, I no. hear Donkey Kong. I gotta say, I've been listening to this looped Donkey Kong clip for a couple hours now. It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's oh, a good background. Oh, yeah, it is great. Um, I'll link it to y'all, but y'all watch it later. It, it's essentially exactly 
we're talking about. I'm trying to turn this off. Oh, no. There, I'm back. Okay. Uh, I'll link it, but don't watch it now. Watch it later. But it's the same thing like with the farting guy, but he, yeah. he's got he's got the thing on his head and he uh, he He's, he's he, he goes up to people and he's like, "Hey, I'm a veteran. Can you thank me for my service?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and he's, he's like, "I fought in Iraq. I, I killed a bunch of Muslims." <laughs> and the uh, and the and the and the manager comes and uh, he's like, "You said some really disturbing things to that lady." He's like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> just, just <laughs> denying everything and then blows oh, vape in the guy's face <laughs> like just you know it, is it sam hyde no it, but it, it's it's one of his friends it's frank okay. hassel frank oh, okay. hassel it, he, he's basically one of his biggest influences was the surveillance cameraman uh guy i don't know if you've ever heard of him no well, mm-hmm. surveillance cameraman did something a little bit milder. He he uh, he he would um, he would walk up to people with a camera and not say anything. And then when people said, "What are you doing?" he said, oh, "I'm just taking a video." <laughs> and they'd be like, <laughs> uh, "Can you? Why?" And he said, "Oh, I'm just taking a video." <laughs> oh, I have seen that guy. Oh. I have seen some videos like that. That's, a lot of people started to copy him, like. I think five years ago. Yeah, I've seen but, some of those where they got one guy, Central Park or something, and he's like, "Oh, get out of my way!" The other guy's like, "Go oh, get out of the way of my camera! You're in it, my frame, you know." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we 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 back to what you're saying. Like, yeah, we we won't fight we're not against confrontational. what we don't. Yeah, we're not confrontational as a society. Dude, now, my, you, my you, parents were so against, uh, like, I wanted, all when I was a kid, I just wanted to, like, take karate. Right? Yeah. And and th- my parents would not have it. Like, they wanted me to play, you know, sports ball. And, <laughs> like, I just didn't like it, man. I wanted, I saw, like, UFC, and I was like, that's the sport I like. That's the sport I want to do. <laughs> and they were totally against it. So what did I do when I got on my own? Karate. I did a deep dive into MMA, right? Nice. Like for for like five years, and so as as I learned the lessons of like the effectiveness of of violence, dude, what a game changer in my life. Now I've never <laughs> like been in a street fight or gone to jail for assault or anything, but I know for a fact like. If I get in a physical engagement with, you know, a large chunk of the population, you only need about six months of training to be able to kick most people's ass, right? Yeah. Of like real, like modern, I mean, I'm not talking about old school karate forms and stuff, but like yeah. the the sport of kicking someone's ass, like MMA, <laughs> dude, you, you, you need like some, six uh... months of training to kick someone, to kick most people's ass. Just and to, the way that yeah. I can oh, yeah. interact with someone because I have no fear of getting my ass. I've been punched in the face a bunch of times. Like I've been choked unconscious. Like I'm not scared of the physical violence so as much as I was. So the, my will to confront people is like, <laughs> I mean, it's through higher. the roof, 
right? That, that, that so, reminds me, uh, uh, just a sec, um, the people that came out of World War II had much more of the sort of an attitude of confrontation that, uh, you guys heard of the Battle of Athens? The Battle of Athens? Yeah. I've probably heard of it. I'm not familiar. I'm trying to remember. I, I believe it was Tennessee, Athens, Tennessee, or Kentucky. Okay. But oh, okay. What what these bunch of veterans that came back from the war to yes, find oh, out? Yes. Oh yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So you got the county, and there's all this corruption, and you know they're, they're really taking advantage of all the men were away. You guys stick the fucking service rifles and you know take down the sheriff. You know that's confrontation. You know. Well, so if you think about it in that sense, you have 20 years worth of veterans distributed throughout the society who are just now, and, and they're coming oh, yeah. to grips with the fact that, man, I was not, they told me I was doing something that I believed in, but yeah. it, that wasn't the case. And I don't a even lot think of vets are getting red-pilled. I don't think it's just that. I think it's, I fought for this country to protect it and to keep its values preserved and it's shitting on me and it's shitting on my value you know yeah, yeah. exactly i mean they're yeah. they're i mean it's like a uh it's a big time me. world war post world war one germany vibe oh yeah you know? definitely where people are the there's people who have had the best training that's ever existed on how to conduct warfare and they're just distributed out throughout the american population like, i love this we're setting up for another revolution aren't we <laughs> i mean that's the way it seems like the 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 military complex has kind of like astroturf the situation yeah you know because the average uh service member the average infantryman which is like seen as a you know there's there's a 19 year old boy somewhere a 19 year that became a man in a very short amount of time and he's kicking doors in and making split second decisions on whether or not to take somebody's life yeah you know and that person comes back to america <laughs> right like he could yeah, outshoot yeah. he could outshoot most cops and he's just he's he's on quarantine right now Oh, right, yeah. he's trying to feed his family right now. There's, I mean, we're going to uh, reach probably... a point where there's, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be anything particularly just yet, but I think you're going to see some interesting things happen, you know, in a couple of months in regards to people's attitudes to quarantine, especially with all the the measures they've been taking. Certain governors, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, for me. I, I love it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't blame like, you. Like, I love it. There's no traffic. If I have to go somewhere, I don't have to talk to, you know, like, it's a norm that I should stay away from somebody. That means that people hopefully are going to stay away from me. And, man, I, I just, I'm not, yeah. I'm not thankful that we have an epidemic. Dude, but I, I can't. It's very wait. calm now. Yeah. I, I can't wait until it's over. Cause like, you know, I've, I've been watching like all the, you know, the, the, the videos I was talking about earlier. Like I want to do that in real life. Like I, and I'm, I'm willing to, 
and I'm willing to put a GoPro on my head and make people uncomfortable. <laughs> Dude, but, you want to know how you could do that for no with a good reason? What is door to door soul winning? Have you ever oh. done that? Wait, wait, I was wait. just thinking about what? that too. Dude, okay, so I went to this I went to a church for a while before I moved and they were a soul winning church. So every Saturday we would meet at the church and then drive to a neighborhood and walk door to door. And we that got a, a, a Bible a Bible and like some tracks, right? Mm -hmm. And you walk in and it's like uh, I mean you okay, so you're interrupting these people's day, right? <laughs> and you're going, you're going, hey, uh, do you know if you're going, do you know if you're going to heaven or hell when you die? Imagine the type of reaction that you're getting from people. Dude, somebody who's oh. been like, I mean, I've literally, yes. I've, for a long time when I would spar people, I would get this kind of adrenaline rush like oh man i'm facing a confrontation and you eventually <laughs> yeah. you eventually get get used to it but yeah. the idea of going to someone's front door and like <laughs> telling them like hey you know if you don't stop you're going to hell dude that is a crazy type of confrontation <laughs> oh, that i was not prepared for and, you know what uh my the, uncle does um he does stuff like that he um i i met him once by accident in Grand Central Station, and he's there at the top of his lungs, preaching at the front door. <laughs> Dude, that is that that is a, that takes a lot of courage. Oh yeah, it does. I, okay. I mean, because you're I, going into someone else's oh my gosh. living space, and basically, and dude, for I, I can't tell you, we would go into people's houses. Sometimes they would cry, sometimes they would argue, sometimes they would get mad and slam the door. I mean, it was wild. It was it was wild, but in the best case scenario, is they're like, yeah, let me let me hear some scripture, and then you you know, eventually you you show them enough scripture, and they go, you know, they they say that they accept Christ as their savior, you know, and then the next step, if you're if you're doing it affiliated to a church, is that you know come here to this church, and you know we can baptize you, and you, you can, can you follow up with these people too, yeah. Right. But if you just did it, you know, if you just said, hey, I'm not I'm not doing this affiliated with a church and just the personal kind of growth you would get out of arguing the tenets of Christianity with random strangers like back to back to back on a Saturday morning is wild. I mean, it is a crazy I mean, you want to talk about like a feeling you see when you have these people and you're telling them things about Jesus and Satan and they're like the way that they're reacting I mean it's a crazy experience man I, so, I definitely recommend they're pretty awestruck aren't they yeah, I mean a lot it, of times they are like is it just, is it wrong is it is it wrong of me to like enjoy that just because I'm making people feel uncomfortable oh yeah well I mean you gotta think Jesus made a lot of people feel uncomfortable he made, he made them so uncomfortable that they had him put to death <laughs> you know that is true I, I, he never something yeah, really. really uncomfortable yeah i mean i i guess i guess if i'm gonna do it for like well i guess leisure i should probably separate it from my faith maybe no nah, man so the thing is like, I, like but you know do you, both to, but you know what i mean but you okay the way that you okay when the, if you look online at like soul winning 
tactics, you know, this is back to the science versus art argument. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going in there and you're engaging these people on a spiritual level, right? Like there's, there's no rules. Like you can say, I mean, there's, and, and what you're, but you're trying to help them, right? Like you have a good motive in your heart. You're not going there to trash them. You're going there to save them or to, to lead them to their salvation. You know this is why yeah. I think uh, Billy Graham made a great preacher. He was a salesman, wasn't he? Car salesman? Or There's vacuum. a lot of overlap. There's a lot of overlap yeah. in those skill sets. All right. On this note, I'm going to have to leave you guys. It's time to eat. Yeah, All it, right, man. We are, it, we are getting close to yeah. time to wrap up. All right. I'll catch you guys later. It's great talking to you. All right. Have All a right. good one. See ya. Sounds good. You want to go ahead and uh, like wrap it up a little bit? We can uh, yeah, man. close up the ideas. Uh, but yeah, the that I mean, I would I mean, what would you be interested in a sort of that door to door evangelism training video like that? I guess that's just what the the thing could be called like i'm just trying to show people i'm just trying to show people how to do it <laughs> but, well i think yeah. that if you okay so you can find tons of footage on youtube of like people out in public soul winning right yeah. and there's ton, there's a lot of instructionals out there now what i i think that the main reason to go do it is to act is, is no kidding you're going there to spread to put Christ in people's lives. Yeah, and right? you're you're obeying his commandment to I mean well, his commandment to I mean whether or not it, the fact that it is spiritually fulfilling is is like a bonus, yeah. right? Because there's I mean you can have like okay, I worked all day, I did this, here is the result of my work. I sent this many emails you know, blah, 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 I resolved this many things. Or you can go soul winning for a couple of hours and be like, I put the idea of Christ's grace and love in the minds of a dozen people. Mm. I mean, the things don't, they don't even, they don't even compete, right? That's right. And so like, it's just been really kind of heavy on me that I wanted to do that for, you know, start doing that again. And then this pandemic hits, right? Yeah. But we do, we, we actually do quite a bit of that amongst ourselves, you know, when we're, you know, how many people do you think have gotten stronger in their faith and their pursuit of Christ just from the type of conversation that we have on a, on a daily? My, my, my estimation is that it's, a, you know, a few, Several, yeah. as many as regularly participate. I mean, and, I've, I've um, told my testimony more on Telegram than in real life, and I've told it a lot in real life. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, it, it. This is where people are getting information. This is where people are having social interaction. Yeah, I don't it, think that there's anything wrong with you know, and that's when I, I told people on there that uh, you know, like a cyber crusade. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, this I mean, is this is the spirit running through the internet. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's cyber, just that people have not wanted to do it. But imagine how 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 hard is it to go to slide into somebody's DMs and say, uh, "Have you read the Bible at all?" 
Huh. You know, do you know what, do you know, and that's what I think about is like, you know, you, you, you see some channels that they're posting like a daily verse yeah, or whatever, but everybody knows that the real action is taking place in the group chat, right? Or DMs. Yeah. Now, and so, now, how would you feel about uh, evangelizing to, to thoughts? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel weird about that, you know? <laughs> I know, that, that's, I mean, but. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the precedent for that is set in the Bible. That's who needs it, you know? It's like, why are you talking to these people? Well, a doc, you know, we don't send a doctor to talk to the healthy. We send That's them right. to talk to the sick. Wow. Yeah, so we should definitely have... The, if you're going to talk to an, an, uh, an e-girl, you better be telling her about Jesus. I mean, why, 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 why can't we, why can't that be the, uh, the goal and the yeah. method, you know, but I you, think that we will start, I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie, man. It's like two years ago, I was on Twitter and somebody DM me, was like, Hey man, do you want a Christian discord server? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, man, just check it out. I think you'll be impressed. So I got on there and the very first, you know, like the intro room or whatever was like a questionnaire and it was showed all the results from everybody that was in there. It was like, how many people believe in this doctrine and this doctrine? And, you know, just, it was broken down Barney style, right? Like very yeah. simple to understand. And I was like, oh man. Like there's a lot of depth to it. You know, we kind of have like too simple of an idea of Christianity sometimes where it's like, oh, they just want to tell me how to live. They just want to tell me what to do, control me to get my money. But then you see that there's actually people who are like meditating on it, thinking critically about it. And you're like, well, no, that aspect of it appeals to me, hmm. you know, and it, and it makes all the other parts of it more it makes it make sense you know like i was gonna say more palatable but it makes it make sense where you you know like you've said before yeah i mean you tithe because your pastor is doing something that's ordained by god to to help his people you know or you participate in this you participate in that because that's what's expected of you and uh, just the deep it's like uh I mean, you're you're a good Southern boy. You know the Alabama song, the clo <laughs> the closer you get, the further I fall. Uh, uh, Oof, it's a good '80s country song. But I mean, just the is the idea is like the you're not gonna get to the bottom of this in 90 days, right? So if yeah. you're like a a habitual autist pursuer of information you know he's like well i can basically get the bottom line on world war ii in about 90 days <laughs> you're not going to get to the bottom of christianity in 90 days i guarantee you. right yeah, like so i it's mean like a good it, pursuit it, yeah i tried i tried for about like a couple months to figure out the roots of anti-semitism and i still haven't now how could you understand the the nature of god in a sitting like it truly takes dedication and like growth to synthesize all of that, which is very humbling. 
Well, so but, I looked at this. Okay, so I looked up this. Uh, you know, when people have questions, when you when you go soul winning, and people are like, "Well, what about this part? Or what about this?" You know, well, there's a theological response to that. Most likely, that's going to fall into one of the categories that they that is a focus area of theology, right? Which is like. You can you can just look it up and see what the categories are. Some of them about the there's a category about the end times. There's a category about the nature of Christ. There's a category about angels, right? I mean, there, I'm yeah. not uh, being comprehensive in my explanation, but of course, there's these are divided up, right? It's so a if you look at yeah. if you look at like systematic theology, you can start to get some of those answers, and just by looking it up you'll hear what the answers for the other sides are, right? And then you kind of get this view of like, okay, well, the argument about this subject goes like this. And then you can kind of sit with that for a while and see where, you know, what, what you feel about it or what, what's been revealed to you to be, you know, true in that, you know, in that category. And then you're prepared to go tell someone, you know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but it's like, it's a big brain, it's a big brain endeavor, but it's a big heart endeavor too, which I think is, uh, well, I, I think it's going to explode, dude. I think there's going to be like a, an explosion of <laughs> telegram theologians. <laughs> I, mean, I already see it. I mean, I already see people talking about doctrine, uh, you know, rightly dividing the word of God, talking about scripture, comparing scripture to scripture, you know, comparing it to their personal experience. I see it on, on multiple channels in Telegram. Yeah. And I, uh, what if we like had a, not a class, but like sort of formulated all of those, the roadmap, if, if, if you, if you will, to uh, that type of evangelism in telegram you know like we train we train some soldiers to go out and do good work yeah i think dude i think i i'm i'm totally all about it in fact that's my main objective every time i log on to telegram that's what i'm trying to do that's what i'm talking already (laughs) well we're about we're about three hours in it it was great this is good talk Uh, uh, connor morrison is a great guest yeah uh that he, yeah, I, I hate that I, I I couldn't talk towards like the middle of my my mom was uh, spraying down my window, so I had to mute my microphone. <laughs> oh, but uh, it, this is a good conversation, amazing conversation. I think it was a good episode too. What do you think? Yeah, man, I think that um, I mean we we talk about this all these topics all the time, so why would it? You know, it, it just to hear, hear some it in, tone yeah. to it is is good. I agree. All right. Well, peace and butt grease. We'll talk. All again. right, man. Have a good one. <laughs>